Pain Don't Hurt Patrick Swayze, Christian Bale finds salvation in the Terminator series, and who was the Phantom Menace? This week on 30-20-10. Hi everybody, welcome to 30-20-10, the Laser Time Network's pop culture time machine, each week taking you back 30, 20, and 10 years ago back into the pop culture past. Movies, TV, music, a little bit of news, light news. Uh, and occasionally more. This week, I, I think I know what everybody's here for. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's officially 20 years since The Phantom Menace. That means even the people who actually like it should feel old. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> uh, hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Uh, I'm underutilized Sith Lord Diana Goodman. Mm. Isa me, Sarah. <laughs> and a small bit of house cleaning. Uh, a couple of episodes have been late. Really hurt my back. Should have some interesting stories for bonus time for the Patreon patrons at patreon.com slash laser time, but the 302010 listener strike back episode will also be a little late because of that, but it is in fact coming. Bear with us, because I'm bearing with this pain for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hurts yeah. to sit here and hopefully I won't doppler too much like I did on the other show. Yeah. Um, well, and hopefully we'll keep we'll keep things coming out on time because we're hitting so many good movies right. now that it's summer. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh my god. The whole internet the next the next two episodes. Oh, the whole internet's going to be discussed. It's weird. George Lucas really did a number in the last the next two weeks. But we're talking about May 17th through the 23rd, 1989. That is the period that we're talking about 30, 20, and 10 years ago. So sit back, relax, open up a little portal to 1989, 1999, and 2009. And we're going to walk you through all the fun stuff that was happening that week, such as the movies of 1989. See No Evil, Hear No Evil is miraculously number one. Um <laughs> I uh, just saw Diana's notes, possibly out of sympathy for Gene Wilder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I w- that, that, stay tuned, people. We'll talk about that at the end of the episode. <sighs> mm. Fuck you, cervical cancer. Yep. Indeed. That was fucking ruthless, man. And uh, But movies this week, it's not unexciting because this movie is good bad, but not as good bad as the movie, <laughs> the main movie. Mm-hmm. Sorry, we'll get into it. William Ragsdale, Roddy McDowell, Fright Night 2 is out this week. I'm Looking for someone incredibly seductive. Do you know how to use your lips, Charlie? Then this is your lucky night. Welcome to Fright Night. Fright Night 2. One taste is never enough. Come kiss me. Ooh. Was this song like required to be in like 80% of 80s movies? <laughs> Uh yeah, I'd have no, I do not know if I've actually seen this. I feel like I remember the VHS cover very clearly. Mm. But uh Fright Night One I know I saw. It's fun watching mm-hmm. that with the that song and imagining mm-hmm. it like a scary big chill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my god, someone needs to make the big chill as a horror movie. Oh. I know how to make the big chill. I mean nothing scarier than a group of white baby boomers right now. I'm gonna so. say I know how to make the big chill scary. <laughs> Try and imagine how they voted. Yeah. <laughs> In their fucking little tiny antique convertibles. You know, you know who they voted. Anyway, uh, also out this week, How I Got Into College, uh, starring Lori Laughlin. No, uh, Corey Parker, Laura Flynn Boyle, uh, Finn Carter, Anthony Edwards, Charles Rocket, and Brian Doyle Murray. I... Yeah, we got a twofer from Anthony Edwards this week. Oh, really? Oh, we do. Yeah, we got a much better movie coming up next. Uh, this is an odd little film. It's directed by Savage Steve Holland. Uh, did uh, of Eat one the Cat Summer. thing? 
No, One Crazy Summer, Better Off Dead. Oh, yeah, Eek the Cat, I think he did. That's right. He animated the opening to One Crazy Summer. Got him that Eek the Cat money. It's cute in a right sort of odd disposable way about like this uh, kid who really wants to go to this college to follow Lara Flynn Boyle there. And uh, there's a lot of antics and goofiness of him trying to just like get his paperwork together and figure out how he's going to get in and all that. And I did not realize it's the film debut of Tom Kenny. Oh, really? Oh. I yeah. love Tomcat, SpongeBob. Love that man. Um, Mr. Show. Never can get enough of it. Um, yeah, I know I've seen this. It's been a while. I did not have time to rewatch this for homework because there's so much more to talk yeah. about. Oh, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's cute. It's it's cute. Yeah. And like, okay. And the next movie I, I, I feel like I've heard of. Was this famous during the 80s? Did it win some awards? No. And mm. that's not fair. This We have a legitimately good cult movie that I really, really want people to watch. Hmm. And it's called Miracle Mile. Yes, with Anthony Edwards and Mayor Winningham. Yeah. That's what I do every year at the State Fair. Whatever. Miracle Ah. Mile. It was one of those strange nights. Finally meet the right girl and you blow it. That could ruin your whole day. In a big way. Dead. This is a joke, right? It's really happening! 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 This can't be true. We'll all be dead if we don't get out of here. Nobody believes this, do they? Not me! Not Spongy! Make a list for me. People who we want to bring along. Dude, this looks awesome! This looks really good. Please tell me more, Diana. Okay, so uh, Miracle Mile stars Anthony Edwards as this guy that he was supposed to meet up with this girl, and he's out late at night on the streets in LA that are just abandoned. And a payphone rings, and it's a guy who says he works at a missile silo in North Dakota, and the nukes are in the air, and the world is going to be wiped out in about an hour. So so this guy has to run around screaming. Um, yes. N- not unlike, uh, what's his name, from Invasion of the Body Snatchers, getting everybody to believe this outlandish end-of-the-world prophecy. Yeah. He's trying to, he's got to try to find the girl, try to get out of town. How can you get out of town? Uh, no one's going to believe him. You know, he's going to all night diners and just random homeless people. And and it's visually, it's really cool because it's got sort of that Omega Man, empty LA thing yeah, for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, it I, also has this like sort of the 50s aesthetic, sort of like the way that the diner has lots of neon and everything. So it's sort of hearkening back to the, you know, nuclear paranoia, of the 50s. It's just trying to get the fuck out of town. And he doesn't know what to do. And so there's also a lot of frantic sort of after hours kind of running around, meeting crazy people and just running into an all night gym and being like, does anyone fly a helicopter? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Like, oh, fuck. And then things start to get worse on the ground. Like some people start to seem to know that the bad thing is happening. And then there's a little bit of chaos on the ground. But it's one of those movies that takes place in one night, which I know something you love. Yeah. Well, it it, it just a pretty restrained area. And it's a it's very interesting to think about yeah what would happen how would you try and convince the world that it was ending Ooh, it and, sounds like a yeah. nightmare do you even try to convince anyone yeah. or do yeah. you just try to make a run for it but he can't because he's looking for the girl and he also like it's, it's, feels, he doesn't want to leave everyone to die right. again we're watching we're watching the trailer as to get you sound and it, like it looks like if an episode of the twilight zone were not shot on the exact same sound stage every time mm-hmm. it, it's just yeah. beautiful shots from around la and I and because and I'm also expecting a twist from it, so I I well, think I will check this out. I don't know. I mean, 
sort of the central question is, well, was that just a prank call? Or, I mean, the guy says, like, you know, he thinks he's calling his dad, and he's like, I'm not supposed to call, but, you know, it's happening. Get to the bunker. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, wait, I got the wrong number? What? Mm. And was it all just a prank? Or is it really going to happen? I know. And, I, uh, I feel like this I is a prank I might have pulled. Uh, <laughs> oh, so, okay. So, but for the 80s, I think... I don't know. I want to see Miracle Mile, but I, I total recommend. Previously, I totally recommend it. It is a lot of fun and really interesting. I, I thought, but I also have to recommend the next movie. Right, yeah. the best bad movies I have ever seen. It's yeah. it's the probably the most well made bad movie I've ever seen. Yeah, it, it's 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 so it, it believes in its stupid. Pr Hold on, Patrick Swayze, Ben Gazzara, Kelly Lynch, and Sam Elliott, and uh, Kevin Teague in a Roadhouse Baby. His name is Dalton. You don't look like much to me. Opinions vary. He's the best there is. Damn, that hurts, doesn't it? He says he's nice. I want you to be nice. Always nice. I know you're not the nice guy. Until it's time not to be nice. He's real good. Roadhouse, rated R. God, I, this... That's, even oh. the trailer is so good. Like, how they intercut him flying over a like bench at the mm -hmm. same time as like a car flying over a thing and exploding <laughs> like it's so good and they don't they don't say what he's world famous for it's for being <laughs> a world famous a renowned implied award-winning award -winning. bouncer <laughs> he's a bouncer at the bouncies <laughs> i've always assumed the bouncer is the lowest paid person in any club but this guy is world famous for it. The, the, even the patrons know who he is before he shows up in mm -hmm. the yep. the movie totally believes it it's it's not in any way a ridiculous premise nor is any of the dialogue or any of the situations or someone's throat being torn out oh my god <laughs> nope. burned into my memory forever. which he does with because it's so like out there the movie's it's, not that violent right uh, but it, it's a hard r because of that moment and, yep. and some nudity. <laughs> that, that's weird that that is the the act of violence that really gets us there. That's the thing he like, I just can't do this one thing, man. One thing. I can't <laughs> right. just cross that line again. And then he does and cries. He, he grips the guy's throat out and cries. Uh, that's what makes him such a good bouncer. Nuance. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, he says it's all about, you know, nonviolence of just talking people down and being nice mm -hmm. until you don't have until. You can't be nice anymore, right? Because he's like, like a, really, he's very Zen. He's a half-ass he Buddhist. Up his Buddhism. Mm -hmm. I think he has what a doctorate in philosophy. Yes. Oh man. It, uh, the the line <laughs> I became obsessed with this movie through uh, Mystery Science Theater's Mike Nelson, and he signed one of my books with a line from this movie. That's awesome. Pain don't hurt. Pain don't hurt. Pain don't Pain hurt. Don't hurt. He go, I think Mike Nelson goes on that goes off on that for like a chapter. Like <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Not in any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> yeah. Then why are you calling it pain? Yeah. Why would you recognize? How would you recognize what it is? Anyway, anyway, but this, yeah. this, but oh, everybody's so good. Sam Elliott as you know his his bouncer mentor, mm -hmm. his Obi Wan of bouncing. Unbelievable! This, yes, fucking oh, Sonny Chiba of bouncing. I normally think of as like a very serious actor from like Cassavetti's movies. Is like such a gleeful bad guy. Right. He loves like owning this small town. A fucking low level. Small town uh, crook. He probably he clearly makes six figures mm -hmm. and can basically control this entire town base, which is, consists mostly of a barn and a bar. <laughs> and, but it's it's the shots are beautiful. It's a great '80s time capsule. Mm -hmm. I don't like the the music you heard in that trailer. I don't even know what to call that genre anymore. But whatever you 
whenever you see a band in like 48 hours or some shit, they're playing some garbage blues, yeah. horse shit white guys playing the blues. Uh, the movie is just wall to wall that. And it does. I remember I was watching it for like the third time. Like, is this still going? It's like two and a half hours. No. <laughs> and, and and obviously, I think uh, Family Guy's made a little more famous because he mm. kicks people and says Roadhouse. Oh, yeah. Uh, Roadhouse. But... Yeah. Even the love scenes are very well done yeah. and and sexy. Very sexy. Like maybe that's well, my Swayze. that's my Swayze coming out. <laughs> I love yeah. him he's, so much. He's a. But he, then that created a weird meme with celebrities in that uh, Kelly Lynch. In that scene is married to Mitch Glazer, who's a producer, and apparently Bill Ma- Bill Murray calls him anytime he sees Roadhouse on TV and is like, "Hey, I'm watching your wife get fucked by Patrick Swayze right now." <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, it was. Let's just consider it one for the road, Bill. Jesus, I, I like considering it maybe in an alternate universe where bouncers are that important. It's, it's just like it's just another universe, <laughs> like in a whole other like world, basically that doesn't exist but could exist. Oh my. Oh my god! I just thought of a double feature: this and cocktail, because that's about yeah. Yes. Wow. And that, yes. that that does fit a lot of the praise I'm heaping on this perfect '80s time capsule. Takes its premise stupidly seriously. Honestly, mm. I think you should watch this cocktail, and then as your intermission, bar, bar rescue. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite TV shows. But but yeah, like I think it's technically a well-made movie, but it's just wall-to-wall stupid. And the dialogue's <laughs> kind of terrible, but like everybody, I don't know, is it, how, where would you rank this on Patrick Swayze's best movies? Mm. It's not a good movie, but right. I just, but I love it. I love it. I love it to death. Point mm-hmm. Break for me, The Outsiders, but that's not really a Patrick Swayze movie. Yeah. Uh, but this, this is up there. I I, I can see someone calling this. I probably would put this, I mean, I personally don't like Point Break as much as everyone else does, so this might be my favorite. What? In, in, More than Dirty Dancing? Oh, I don't. Just I, barely. I haven't seen Whoa. Dirty Dancing. But I mean, if, Dirty Dancing is one of my favorite movies of all time. And so. I love Point Break, but Keanu Reeves is the star of that movie. Patrick Swayze is in every scene of this. So if a kid came up to you and tugs yeah. on your shirt and like, Daddy, who is Patrick Swayze? I would say, <laughs> show him Roadhouse. That's who Patrick Swayze was. A man with, uh, with gifted abs and a knack for tight t-shirts. I, th- I don't know. He wore a mullet with confidence and he feathered it and it was beautiful. That's <laughs> true. And it does kind of show off his dancer capabilities yeah. with all the kicking and the whatnot. Yeah, dude. Look yeah. back on uh, That's true. the buff swan of the 1980s. He's the best. Patrick Swayze. Uh, we won't I, see another I just like him. I love this movie. I, I just, I, yeah, it's, what is that magical combination of dumb premise and taking it seriously that somehow makes a good bad movie mm-hmm. because there's but then there's other bad movies i see that are really stupid that act like everything's serious and i'm just like i can't even with this is just no this is fuck you guys this is too dumb it, right. it's so bold and I, I don't even remember how it was received because I, I remember hearing about it for a long time uh it was, it, it was received sort of just you know like a, a trashy action movie like mm-hmm. it was a jean-claude van damme or something which, mm-hmm. no, no it's not mm-hmm. there's not a lot of fighting in it yeah, it's it's utterly ridiculous, and I cannot recommend it enough. I own I own two versions of this on DVD. Yeah, I like to imagine <laughs> if we still had Patrick Swayze, he'd be entering a Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves like renaissance. Oh, he'd be having his John Wick three right now, exactly, because I, I, he's like that great. He's just so graceful, and he takes everything very seriously, but not in a ridiculous way, in a very sweet way. I, I'm not even kidding. I always forget he's gone. I know it's so weird. I know it's so weird. It's we didn't appreciate sad. him enough. I I mean I think we've. 
figured out over the course of me being on the show that I hadn't I had not seen a lot of cult movies mm-hmm. like this like growing mm-hmm. up when a lot of people did I've mm-hmm. come into a lot of these movies as an adult and this is one of the few ones where I was like no this is actually worth something like a mm. lot of the ones yeah. that everyone says you gotta see I see it and I'm like eh I must not have seen it at the right time in my life. This one I saw like a couple of years ago. Sammy showed it to me and I was like, no, this is actually great. I okay. love it. So I think if we're coming back to the Monday Night Movie, we just found our candidate. Oh, there we go. Perfect. <sighs> oh, that would be wonderful. Yeah, fucking I'm love totally it. down. Oh, Dalton is bay. Um, all right, let's move into television of 1989. Oh, 520, baby. Nice. Oh, that doesn't mean... And, uh, SNL, Steve Martin uh, hosts with Tom Petty in the Heartbreakers. Yeah. Uh, this was... The finale for the season. Yes. Season finale. Um, known for being really a difficult one because of Steve Martin just found out about Gilda Radner right before he goes on to do his monologue. Mm. And so has to address it in the monologue. That's how it happens? Kind of emotionally, yes. Like that day? Yes. Wow. He found out about it. And so he <clears throat> he has to address it in the monologue. And it's really it's quite sad. Ooh. Well, uh, a little... Little sugar with our salt. But the um, show must go on. This, show, this is really the debut of, and this is one of those things I cannot explain why this is funny. But <laughs> but my sister and I stupid. loved this so much. We didn't have Comedy Central, but our grandparents did. So every Thanksgiving, we would just cross our fingers and just pray that we, there would be an SNL episode on from the eighties, nineties that would feature this recurring character. I, this this is this should have had Toonsis should have had its own movie. It's it's it, it is both a beautiful example of SNL and like a perfect example of SNL's greatest criticism. It, it, it's the same sketch over and over again. It ends in the same way every time with stock footage. Yeah, even yeah. it's it, it is the original MacGruber. Uh, it is exactly fantastic. Exactly what it made me think of. And it looks just like my little cat, Ruthie, <laughs> named after Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So that, that, it makes me even happier. Little or big greasy? Little greasy. Okay, little greasy. Never actually heard the cat's real name before. Her name's Ruth after Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Very uh, dignified. And, and uh, uh, do we need to play a little bit of the sketch? Just because like... Well, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, watching the, the original sketch with uh, Victoria Jackson and Steve Martin, like there's a point where it's like, well, here it is. This is the whole sketch. This is the it inter- keeps going, but this is the sketch right here. <laughs> See, I, I told you he could drive. Tonsies, look out! <laughs> Stock footage. That's it. I forgot, I forgot about the length of the crash occasionally. <laughs> yeah. And then they close out with a song. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I think they did that sketch. They think he can drive. They, and then yeah, someone yells, tunes his look out, and then there's stock footage of them crashing. <laughs> That's the whole thing. I, and they, it's the same thing every time, and I'm pretty sure Toonsis has appeared more than Alec Baldwin as Donald Trump. <laughs> like it's, it's, and I never, ever got tired of it. We always loved it as kids. Part of it is the name, Toonsis. Toonsis is a great name. It's just such a good name. I was writing Swayze down for my next pet or child name, but uh, okay, Toonsis. Toonsis, Swayze, Antista. <laughs> <laughs> For your next kid. Uh, I should just call your, him. Your I first just, kid. Just call him, beat me up. <laughs> beat me up, Antista. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, wow, like uh, last week, um, 
I realize it's probably not good to publish a late episode and then tease the end of everything, and the, <laughs> the, the start of the episode. But like, th- this is a fascinating time for thirty twenty ten. Granted, we have Game of Thrones ending now, but like back in the day, like every show ended at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. It really freaked me out when I started to pay attention to non cartoon TV. Like these things were always just here. Yeah, I've just started paying attention. Mm-hmm. Seven years and you just leave, mm-hmm. and it was so strange like for a two week period you just watch shows come to a complete close oh I mean I remember when Seinfeld ended being Mm -hmm. like literally what am I going to watch now I cannot (laughs) imagine my life without this TV show as we're talking with Game of Thrones we are all not watching the same show anymore doesn't exist but um, this is the week that Miami Vice signed off the air oh man Uh, that theme song just really Oh, I love a show shot in Florida. What? Me too. By the way, got to recommend Brockmire. Third season is all Florida and all Florida jokes. Ooh. Well, um, I got to recommend Bloodline then if we're doing Florida shows. Oh that's man, really that's good almost too. not Florida, but I, I dig it. It's, it's very practically Florida. the Caribbean, but it's it's keys. It's not uh, our Florida. But Miami Vice is a show I know nothing about. I remember I. The, but the the weirdest thing was like I grew up in Florida, mm-hmm. and I'm an American. Sure. And then I went out to California, and I worked for a British company, and uh, my boss. He grew up in the 80s idolizing this show mm-hmm. and like he was super cynical and like biting wit and then I was like, you're from Florida. What's Miami like? <laughs> I, I love like the idea of, of growing up as a kid in England being in love with Miami Vice and this, this it seeming like a far off paradise. He right. had a ton of questions about Miami. Yeah. And I was like, well, you're in luck because the way the show looks... That's how Miami looks. Just yes. imagine a lot of sun bleaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks exactly like that now. Oh, yeah. Anytime I go out of state and I'm in a cab or in an Uber, they're like, oh, yeah, Florida, Mickey Mouse in Miami. That is so yeah. many hours away from me. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Our, our main export is colleges, <laughs> college graduates. Yes, we got a lot of those in Tallinn. I, I wish I knew more about Miami Vice. but uh, Well, it went on for five seasons. That's it? Yeah, huh. it seems that's like it. more, but... Uh, <laughs> I I always tell that dumb... Keep going, Sarah. Oh, okay. I, I always tell this dumb story. Uh, and yeah, it really was like a vanguard because it was when it... A, it being set in Miami, right. there really wasn't anyone else who was doing that except for the Golden Girls, really. <laughs> that was set in Miami. Yeah. Miami Vice was yeah. shot in Miami. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and that's, that's the difference. Because like, the, the first time I watched Miami Vice <clears throat> is because my grandparents lived there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they moved, obviously. They're uh, Italian New Yorkers, so eventually you just end up in Miami. And they're, I like to think they're there preserving every accent you hear in Goodfellas. Mm. Still so <laughs> oh, my God. Someone's got to carry it they on. spit on their own floor. I couldn't believe. <laughs> That's how my aunt still sounds living in Miami. And I went to Miami, and like um, my, my grandparents introduced me to their next-door neighbor. And like, hey, this is Dan. He died on Miami Vice. Like, what? <laughs> and, and I really had built in my head the idea that like uh, – I don't know where I formulated this, that when someone is shot or killed or thrown off a building in, on television or in a movie, that they were someone who volunteered to die. That's how I thought they accomplished <laughs> sure. this, sh- this shot. Like someone's clearly at wit's end, maybe has cancer, and they just, yeah, throw me off a building, Don Johnson. a bad Johnson. way to go. <laughs> and, and he, yeah, I got shot, fell off a building. And, like, and he's like, I got the tape. And, like, and it introduced, I had no idea how any of that shit worked. And that, that was literally the, my introduction to the concept because... It was shot so much there, like not unlike being an actor in New York, you probably will meet someone say. who's been on my like been somewhere on Miami Vice. Yeah. There's a lot of dance scenes. 
in, 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 a, in a nightclub. A lot of clubs and mm-hmm. stuff because Vice, it was all about drugs and prostitution, basically. Right. And like, mm-hmm. you know, the conceit of it was like, yeah, this will never stop. We're never going to solve everything. Where it's based, I always forget to talk about the whack-a-mole. You know, like, I, I associate the word vice with Miami Vice for so long. Mm-hmm. I didn't. It didn't have any connotation as like some like weirdo branch, like buzzkill branch of the, <laughs> the law yeah. enforcement. Yeah. Uh, and this in the GTA Vice City. I'm babbling. Yeah. Uh, but again, I'm my bad. Well, this last episode, well, yeah, Vice City is totally. It's a reference to this. It's got mm-hmm. that same sort of aesthetic. You know, mm-hmm. this is very flashy, fast editing, lots of music. You know, but still, it's, it's still it's a cop show, but it's a it's a sexy cop show. I, well, I will say it. It's, oh, I can't it, believe we had Dynasty go off the air what last week, and now wow. Miami Vice like the. 90s are or the, the 90s are starting the wow. 80s are over right but but Miami Vice holds up as pretty damn watchable given that mm. like it's yeah. location shots mm-hmm. and like it's it is glistening with style yeah. and I'm not saying that as a compliment well it's it's it incorporated a lot of new wave elements right. that you know pastel suits really, and shoulder pads yeah and it really appealed <laughs> to like the younger audience in a lot of ways and honestly I find Don Johnson to be very charismatic he's, too he's like, the best he's yeah. great I love that yeah. dude and also Philip Michael Thomas like both of them like uh, together as a it's team a it's or fun I don't know. Who's <laughs> I don't either. I didn't. Yeah, I was too young to like appreciate the series. But Me like, too. Uh, so now I just know them by their actual actors. And I'm not, I don't know if it can take credit for that. That font of the logo. Right. Uh, <laughs> that is synonymous now with the 80s mm-hmm. in like beach culture. Yes. And there's a pretty good beer that they sell around here called Miami Vice. That is not good. It's not good? <laughs> too sour. Oh. Don't, like it. Don't, like, don't like it sour. I like it sour. Oof. But this last episode has Crockett and Tubbs being recruited to protect a general from a South American country who's mm-hmm. like on the run from his own country and accused of treason uh his and he is being played by ian mcshane oh no shit yeah yay yeah. those goddamn venezuelan hooplets yeah. i hope i didn't say something actually racist i, I never don't knew know. i don't know <laughs> uh but uh it, like did they know it was the last episode or is it just the last episode i'm pretty i think they knew it was okay. yeah like they finally graduated got promoted to commissioner I don't know. That's not even our only finale. No, there's a couple And I have more. too many stupid memories here. Uh, yeah. uh, Small Wonder, which is just so vague in my brain because there it's wasn't a lot of... It's weird so show. stupid and bad. Yeah. yeah. How, how oh, would, my God. How would you describe it's Small Wonder, Dying? It's about a robot kid. Yeah. <laughs> Scientist dad who invents a robot child mm-hmm. and then takes her home to live with his family. Do you... I think I could do a whole laser time about that. Probably. I could yes. talk about the Not Quite Human trilogy. Yeah. Or <laughs> with Alan Thicke, I could talk about Daryl. Like, this is a huge thing in the 80s. Robot kids, and I loved every second of it. And, and this was a syndicate show, meaning it aired kind of during the day mm-hmm. when, like, most kids' entertainment had gone to bed. Mm-hmm. You still had kind of small wonder to hope. But it's my memories are so vague of it. I looked into it a little bit because I have no memories of it. And uh, the Ugh. one of the things that I found very interesting is that Tiffany Brissett was the actress, the child actress who played the robot. Mm-hmm. And it actually, it went on for five seasons also. Damn. And it's it was kind of hard on her because she had to uh. constantly, A, she wore the same Dress. outfit wow. every single episode, mm. basically. And she had to act robotically in every episode. Mm. And there were a fair amount of... Um, Nude scenes? <laughs> 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 um. <laughs> Death threats. <laughs> Death threats. <laughs> 
No, that's now. I ain't gonna accept no <laughs> woman robot. <laughs> they were robots are men. Yeah, just be glad she wasn't a robot in Westworld. <laughs> oh god! But yeah, there's a fair amount of special effects that had to occur. So she had to be like right. posed in a weird way for a long period of time in order to shoot this weird special effect right. or blah blah blah. Like open up her back and oh. yeah. So it ended up being kind. The shooting was kind of difficult on her. Uh, she is now a registered nurse in Colorado. She doesn't wow. even act anymore. Huh. Yeah. So it was very weird. How did this get made? Sort of. Hey, you people! Out, you people <laughs> out there writing a script for the perfect Sci-Fi Channel original movie? Punky Brewster and Small Wonder Girl. Let's team them up. Let's do, let's do something weird. Sure. I don't know. Let's like get a, weird. We're all running out of ideas. Yeah, like a gay yeah. werewolf. I don't know. They haven't done that yet. I'm down for that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and this is another like crazy memory for me that is synonymous with the 80s, even though I didn't love it, mm-hmm. even though I thought Jane Curtin was the prettiest person on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What a wonderful episode, a.k.a. it's a wonderful episode, a.k.a. Kate and Allie go to hell, Kate and Allie finale. My yeah. mom was obsessed with this show. Mm. And like I said, I think with like Beauty and the Beast and even later on Cheers, we were a one TV household with no cable. Having to watch something you don't want to watch for years. <laughs> I hate, I still hate Kate and Allie when I hear the word. <laughs> and I know it's not fair. I don't even know really what it's about. Two ladies. I don't yeah, either. That but, part. but I either, I either. Two together? single ladies with kids. Uh, you know, it's, it's full house, but with ladies. I, I, either, got, I, I think if I. got kids, but it focuses more on the women. I think they're both divorced. Mm-hmm. And it's more about them than like their adorable kid antics. And they run a business together, right? I think so. Well, I know. This wow, I know so little about Kate and Ellie. The So the last episode, what a wonderful episode. Mm-hmm. Um, in it, a mysterious stranger offers them like $2,000 for a catering job, apparently. And then they both go to bed and have dreams about what would happen if they weren't in a partnership together because their business is failing. So they do have some sort of business together. It sounds like a catering okay. one. And then they wake up and they're very thankful for what they have in their friendship. No, I, yeah, I, I, I don't like. I know if I watch this, mm-hmm. I was like banging my blocks together, like with passive aggressively. Uh, so my mom would stop. God, I wish oh, Kate Nelly was over. Such a cool, fun child to have. No, I no, I really wasn't. That's why I'm very nice to my parents now. Um, but Kate Nelly, we bid you adieu. And on CBS, the the Sunday night movie, Mike Hammer, Murder Takes <laughs> All. God, I love Stacey Keach, though. Yeah. I've always wanted to watch yeah. this series. Uh, but it also has Linda Carter and Jim Carrey. Yes. In a very early performance. That's right. Yep. Uh, the Mike Hammer series. Here's a little promo. Back in town. Mike Hammer, private investigator. Taking on the hard cases. Who's pulling your strings? Dangerous women. And now, set up to take the fall for a triple murder. He's no angel, but being half right. Will you sleep in my cabin tonight? Is better than dead wrong. Linda Carter, Michelle Phillips, and Stacey Keach star in Mike Hammer, Murder Takes All, next. Yeah, I do not know enough about Mike Hammer. Well, it is a character that's based on a series of novels created by Mickey Spillane. It's like a hard-nosed what? detective oh, yeah, yeah. novel situation. Yeah, the hard-nosed detective, there's going to be narration yeah. about... 
uh, I knew she was giving me the runaround. So I went downtown to find out what was really going on. Stacey Keach. And that's where Jim Carrey was as an accountant. And he gets blown up when a ship blows up. Stacy Keach is one of my favorite narrators of all time. I'm trying to remember the show he narrated. It was like a Rescue 911 type show mm. on Friday nights on Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. If you've ever seen The Ninth Configuration, just a fucking beautiful movie. Uh, maybe Twinkle Twinkle Killer Kane for you English people. Uh, but he's got a great fucking voice. So okay. like, And I've never seen this and I've always been aware of it. And I... I kind of love the idea of him uttering detective cliches to himself. Well, CBS, this is a CBS Sunday movie, and they had like a series of yeah. detective movies that mm-hmm. they would just cycle in and out. So the, the these uh, Mike Hammer ones went on for like three years in the 80s until, yeah, it was interesting. Mike Hammer. Mike Hammer. All right, moving briefly into the video games of 1989. I wish I had more to say about this, but I don't like the game. But it was a big series for some of you. Golden Axe debuts in arcades in 1989. And that would be a big deal because Sega would hang their hat on how much better arcade translations would come to the Genesis later that year. Uh, That's how Mm. Nintendo got started in their business. They wanted to represent their arcade games better. And when arcade games typically came to home consoles, it came with a lot of terrible, horrible, laughable compromises. I don't need to tell you guys, you probably watch a lot of smarmy YouTubers who uh, make fun of Pac-Man on the 2600 just as much as I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Golden Axe, a, a very important series for Sega, and no one else debuts this week. What kind of game is Golden Axe? It is. I'm I, guessing you hit people with an axe. I think they'd call it a belt scroller, but uh, I, but I just learned that term and I don't like it. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a side scroller like like a final fight. You walk to the, to the right and you beat people mm-hmm. up. But you can do it as like a mage, as a barbarian, or a dwarf, and um, oh. it's it's kind of like a medieval version of something like Final Fight. Hmm. Uh, so I okay. say it's a giant fi- uh, Final Fight fan, and then ooh, a little bit of book update. All right, in music of 1989, uh, May 17th to the 23rd, we have new releases from the Doobie Brothers uh, cycles. Okay, uh, Nearly Human by Todd Rug- Rundgren, uh, the debut of David Bowie's new band, Tin Machine. Which again, <laughs> holy shit, little little Chris kid memory. I tuned into SNL the first time. Like it wasn't back to back, but it was like spread by one week. Two people I very much cared about hosted SNL: mm-hmm. MC Hammer and then Macaulay Culkin. And mm-hmm. I will never forget Macaulay Culkin, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Machine. And, he, and it, but it could be translated as, "Hi, I'm from Home Alone. I'd like to introduce you to David Bowie." That's the first, <laughs> the first time I saw David Bowie as a kid yep, and Tin Machine. People hated yep. Tin Machine <laughs> to the point where it hit the crew on the tour had shirts that said fuck you I like Tin Machine eh? <laughs> wow uh, we no all... one likes Tin well, Machine they are no spiders from Mars my my good sir if I was if I hadn't been able to read that on the screen I would have thought you guys were saying a man's name Tin Machine Tin Machine <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Tin Machine I sell the most insurance uh, <laughs> Nick Kershaw's The Works. Wang Chung's a Warmer Side of Cool. Wang Chung got a lot of good work out there. Nobody knows about it. They only know the, the song with their name in it. And The Miracle, Queen's second to last album, which includes uh, I Want It All. And, oh, this song. This song so is so good. fucking good, and I never hear it anywhere, <laughs> and I want to just tip my hat to Kimmy Schmidt that closed out an episode with it. And, like, no one uses this song ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is super important to little 80s Chris, but For Every Girl by Paul Abdul. It's number one this week. We'll close out with that, but stay right there because we got to head. There's a trade embargo somewhere in the galaxy. <laughs> We're going far, far away. <laughs>
Thank you guys so much for listening. Wanted to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Geek Fuel. Geek Fuel premium, delightful mystery box featuring six to eight items and an exclusive shirt. We always refer to Geek Fuel like a birthday present you give yourself or as a gift to a loved one every single month because Geek Fuel is all about brightening up your day once a month with cool goodies featuring your favorite stuff like Marvel, DC, Nintendo, Pop Figs, Zelda, Halo, Star Trek, Ghostbusters, Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, Futurama. The list goes on and on, ranging from pint glasses, cards, posters, shirts, comic books. And each box is guaranteed to contain $50 worth of stuff. And Geek Boxes start for as little as $14 plus shipping and handling. If that weren't enough, you can go to geekfuel.com slash laser time and receive a bonus Star Wars item worth $20 absolutely free. If you're looking to put a pep in your geeky step, consider Geek Fuel. And if you want that free Star Wars item, head to geekfuel.com slash laser time. This is the song uh, off of Moby's play I hate the least. I love this song. Yeah, Southside. Uh, wow, out this week. Jesus Christ, this feels so old. This reminds me of college. This reminds me of the summer when I'm in middle school, driving around my mom's car. I, I just remember going into a dorm, and it's like, oh, we all own the same CD. Mm-hmm. Moby's play, I think, mm-hmm. so like 20 million copies, and uh, is one of Rolling Stone's 500 best albums of all time. I haven't gone back to listen to it, but yeah, we're entering the summer between my eighth grade and ninth grade year, mm-hmm. and I think that's a big summer for a lot of people. And I feel like a lot of the music we're going to be talking about is going to be very salient because mm. you just like have so many memories of driving around in your parents' car. Right, and it was like <laughs> kind of a, time. A, a, a transition from more straightforward rock and whatever the fuck you want to call Moby's blue sampling. Yeah, I, I'm being cynical, but I was a Moby fan before this came out, Ooh. and I assure you. Everything you made before this is far more unlistenable, and I, can, I know this for a fact. Uh, but uh, but play play. I mean, it, I, I, like look to your left, look to your right. One of you own this album. That's true. Uh, new. We also have new releases for 1999, May 17th to the 23rd in music. Maggot by the Melvins. Uh, Black Sails in the Sunset by AFI. Freedom by Suicidal Tendencies. God, those boys are edgy. I get it. Uh, Hell Dorado by Wasp. <laughs> We all know our listeners love Wasp. Be sure to let us know in the Listener Strike Back segment, which we do for patrons at patreon.com slash laser time. The Hush by Texas. Death by Stereo's debut. Uh, if looks could kill, uh, <laughs> I'd watch you die. And, uh, and Millennium by the Backstreet Boys. Living La Vida Loco yes. by Ricky Martin. Still number one. Die, do you have any thoughts about play by Mibby? I do. Um, first of all, I was shocked to find out the South Side was not on the Billboard Top 40 because... This song was omnipresent. Like I started mm-hmm. to get sick of it. Mm-hmm. What was it? And Did, I really liked it. Was this and the one yeah, with Gwen Stefani? Like, what? Was this the one with Gwen Stefani in it? Yeah. But I wasn't the original didn't have her in it and they like added her in later? Maybe. Hmm. So that, that might have something to do with like, it. I had this album and I really liked this album, even though it's not my kind of music, but apparently just like a blues guy and samples behind him works for me. I mean, it's very nice music to just have on in the background. Mm-hmm. If you hate the style of music on Moby's play, you are going to hate 
listening to trailer clips for the next three years of 302010. <laughs> because it'll be oh, in yeah. everyone. That's a good point. Literally every single song on this album was uh, licensed for some sort of advertising. Right. And I think Moby's play all on that was, uh, yeah, I took money from Ford and I gave it all to anti-fossil fuel charities. Yeah. So there. Yep. And I want to believe him. I'm not an anti-Moby person, mm -hmm. even though nobody cares, Moby. Nobody. It's a space ghost reference for no one. Uh, <laughs> but welcome to 1999, May 17th to the 23rd. Let's talk about some some movies because we have Ooh, to. Are any of these good? No, no. I, I remember so. you were like, uh, you were like, oh, gotta go home watch Finding Graceland. I'm like I have it, and you do not. You okay. do not have to watch Finding Graceland. Like, cross that off the list. The best thing about it is the poster. If you'd like That's to see, that's true. Any... That's why I was like, oh, this looks fun. All these people. Wait, am I thinking of the right movie? Let me check by this clip. Harvey Keitel, Jonathan Shiak, Shiak, and Bridget Fonda and Gretchen Mole. Have you ever seen anyone so convinced you with Elvis? Convinced? What's there in a doubt? Look at that! An escort! This man here claims to be Elvis. Is that right? You're drifter. I traveled around, lend a hand to folks who need it. Hardly even look like Elvis. I think I look pretty good, considering I've been on my feet for 20 years. Wow, Harvey Keitel sounds just like Elvis. What? What? Hey, just get a dialogue, Coach. What are you doing? I'm Elvis in uh <laughs> Was there a heist film where people dressed up that's like Elvis? That's what I was thinking 3, of. 3,000 Miles to Graceland. That that's the one. That's the worthless movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that also is terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, is this terrible yeah. as well? Uh, that's what all the reviews say. It, that, uh, no, not good. It, Don't know why it exists. When you're making a movie about Elvis and you use that song... Yeah, you know, what the hell? Walking in Memphis. <laughs> I don't know if that's I mean, I have a song. guilty pleasure for that song. I do enjoy it, but no. Also, uh, I never really got the big deal about all this, you guys. It's it's oh, so honey. strange. <laughs> I went to a pool store to find a raft. Yeah. Uh, and in the discount section is all this boomer floaty stuff, like mm -hmm. based on Elvis, in the clearance section, mm -hmm. because it looks like the people who wanted this are dead. <laughs> and like... No. And, and, and yeah, like if you have something signed by Elvis, I think you got like 20 years to sell it. Well, now I kind of want an Elvis pool float. Yeah, whatever you say, Mama. Splashy, uh, splashy. Yeah, I, Elvis is slowly but surely becoming like Frank Sinatra for me, where it's like the young people don't appreciate because he's so kitsch now. You don't appreciate how he was important then. You just see the old shitty version that's been mm. mass marketed onto pool floaties. Mm -hmm. Which, well, I mean... The, Fat Elvis yeah, is my. I am this close to really digging into Elvis because I can feel it coming. Because it. it's everything about him is fascinating. Mm, Every documentary do about him is fascinating, and he, every I'm one of his songs he's got sixty. Special, baby. His, his comeback it. special is amazing. It, those are all like the best versions of those songs. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah it, it, I'm really close, and I, I'm trying my best to fight it. Well, but it seems like it would really annoy listeners if I got an Elvis. So I want to do it. I'll dig into it with you because it seems like a blind spot for like me. Your mama. Yeah, I just I don't get it. So I haven't ever done an Elvis impression in ten years of podcasting. That's how not relevant he's been to me. I do enjoy being called Mama, though. That's fun. Thank you very much, little <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mama. Uh, also out this week, uh, these another foolish movies in <laughs> uh, a failed attempt at counter programming that come out this week. The Love Letter, I Say Like Roger Rabbit, uh, sorry, Kate Capshaw, Tom Everett Scott, Ellen Generous, and Tom Selleck. But something unexpected is about to arrive. 
a love letter addressed to no one. Dearest, do you know how much in love with you I am? Has the whole town wondering who wrote it and guessing who it's for. I think I just got lucky. No one ever wrote me a love letter before. She thinks it's from him. I've fallen in love without taking a step. You're all wrong for me and I know it. I'm on fire. He assumes it's from her. I love you. Interesting. Oh, I do remember watching this, actually. You do? Yeah, this is definitely like a... A sleepover movie that we watched and found very romantic. I, for some reason, like was down to watch everything with Ellen DeGeneres. I just liked her early stand up. So, I would, yeah. yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, I was yeah. sort of tracked down whatever she was in. I don't remember liking this. I want to know out yeah. there uh, for you kids, you know, there's all those videos out there of like millennials trying to use a rotary phone. Anybody <laughs> write a love letter? Oh, tons. You to, to a real person, Sarah? Yes, yes. My high school boyfriend <laughs> and I were long distance, and I have notebooks on notebooks of love letters between the two of us. Dearest well, Tyler. It's in, my, it's in my parents' house, actually. Yeah. He uh, wrote me a song. He did? It's in Aww. my iTunes right now. What's it called? <laughs> I'm not going to... Maybe no I'll play it. can see your iTunes. Maybe I'll play it during Shame Talks. <laughs> no. Okay, okay. Wait. I have to tell you, if it's called Sarah Smile, he's lying it's to you. Not, stole it. It's not. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, is it called Sarah Plain and Weird? <laughs> but thanks <laughs> a lot <laughs> for uh, calling me plain. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I scratched that biography cover. Um, oh, well, I, I don't think... We, there's not much to talk about with these two movies, even though they both star a cast member from That Thing You Do. Yeah. Strings yep. uh, for noticing. <laughs> I couldn't remember the guy's name. Uh, but there's a little independent movie out this week. Uh, and that is genuinely how you describe this because it's self-financed, <laughs> independent with no studio support, starring Jake Lloyd, Natalie Portman, Ewan McGregor, and Liam Neeson in a role he would continue to play. You refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the force. You believe it's this boy? He can see things before they happen. He can help you. The force is unusually strong with him. He was meant to help you. Anakin! Tell him to take off! Will I ever see you again? What does your heart tell you? Are you sure about this? Trusting our fate to a boy we hardly know? Anakin Skywalker, meet Obi-Wan Kenobi. I sense much fear in you. The boy is dangerous. Okay, everybody knows what this is. Right. <sighs> All right. The so... first new Star Wars movie since Caravan of Courage and Battle for Endor. The evil. I... I'm going to argue, I think those might be better. I think this is the worst thing that ever happened to Star Wars. So I I did my best to sort of vent before the show and get it all out so I don't list the reasons I think this is a bad right. movie. I, I'm totally with you on that because it, this has been detailed in depth by everyone forever and it mm -hmm. doesn't feel right. good or or funny or hardcore to bag on Phantom Menace. But, but it does I will, let's let's go back to what it was like at the time. I think mm -hmm. that's an important thing we can do with this show is at the time, oh my God, everyone was so excited because mm -hmm. we hadn't had any Star Wars for so long. And right. now George Lucas is back. He's taking full control of the thing. It's not going to be like spinoff books or whatever. It's, it's going to be his vision. Do you remember before there was an internet how he announced the movies were coming? He was making a prequel. He'd always talked about making a prequel series and yeah. uh, a 7, 8, and 9. He mm -hmm. always talked about everything. Uh, but mm -hmm. no one thought it was really going to happen. And then those 1995 
half-faced uh, VHSs came out. I believe the last non-specialized editions you could commercially buy officially. Yeah. Um, and he, in every one of those movies started with an, <laughs> so weird to think about this without DVD. You just have to sit through a nine minute George Lucas interview every time you wanted to watch Empire Strikes Back. And he <laughs> said, and I can officially confirm I'm working on Star Wars episodes one, two, and three. And like, it was the whole world was a buzz for four years, mm-hmm. and I, I love pointing this out when they when they made Force Awakens. Uh, obviously, there was a push to go practical for reasons I'm sure we'll talk about to do practical mm-hmm. effects, but there was no need to leak any set footage or pictures because there wasn't any. It was mostly <laughs> people in front of a green screen, other mm-hmm. than a couple desert shots. Uh, we didn't have any of that yeah. shit back then. Uh, but ni- 1990, we didn't know, all we knew about Star Wars is what George Lucas and Lucasfilm officially told us. And they kept yep. it all under wraps. It's fucking nuts. That's crazy. And it's going to be, I mean, obviously a big breakthrough for special effects mm-hmm. with, you know, doing so much on green screens and people were excited about that because we hadn't really done that before. And it's, well, got a, it's got a great cast. Like I was obsessed with Ewan McGregor at this point. He was like my favorite actor. And yeah. I, I was so ecstatic and, he was playing Obi-Wan. And he does a great job. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's the what he has. He's the only redeemable thing about the pre- the prequel trilogy. Even Sam Jackson's bad in it. It's hard for Sam Jackson to be bad because he only has one really level, hard. and that's Sam mm-hmm. Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so this comes out, and everyone goes to see it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's going to be the number one uh, film at the box office for the year. It's going to be number one for a couple of weeks now, and the response was interesting. It wasn't there immediate, was... though. No. Well. There was a couple different camps everyone ended up falling into. Mm-hmm. There was the, it's really good, I love it camp. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those are people who are just happy to be back to Star Wars. Right. Mm-hmm. There was the, it's okay, but we can't judge it until the trilogy is finished camp. Mm-hmm. And then there's me. <laughs> I'm going to call this camp, I told you so! <laughs> because I hated this day one. Oh, okay. So you were, you were. I hated this about two minutes into it when those Trade Federation aliens open their mouths and they talk like the bad guys from World War II movies. Mm hmm. And it's downhill from there. It's, it's all so astonishing to take in. And I, we, we were talking, I was talking to George Lucas about George Lucas with someone a while back. Like he really closed the book hard on Star Wars on purpose, artistically. Yeah. And he owns it lock, stock, and barrel. He financed these movies. He owns. Up until Disney owned them, he owned everything, and he mm-hmm. didn't want to make a new Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But everything he did failed and almost ruined Lucasfilm, <laughs> including things that are genuinely great, like Labyrinth and uh, Lucas, the games that LucasArts made, which were all valiant attempts at like genuine artistic attempts at making um, mainstream pop culture. Mm-hmm. I-, I think mm-hmm. George Lucas deserves a ton of credit, and he eventually went back to the thing that he had very purposely walked away from. And I, I can't tell yeah. whether he lacked enthusiasm, but that has to be hard because when he was first making these movies, there is not an empire around you. There is not a bunch of people who are depending on their mortgages and college tuitions for you to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been to the Lucasfilm, con- uh, uh, the Lucas complex. It is fucking insane. There are hundreds of people out there devoted to Star Wars and, and they were, and you can see in the behind the scenes footage of these people like just listening to every word George Lucas is going to say because everything you do will, cap, will keep me employed for years. Yeah. Uh, and there's not a lot of people saying no to him. Well, yeah, and that's what makes me feel bad is I think about there's so many, there's hundreds of people who work really hard on this mm-hmm. and so much of it is for naught because it all goes right back to the screenplay. The mm-hmm. screenplay has, is just 
bad. And I There's don't... no urgency. There's no goal. The characters right. are ill-defined. I, I mean, in my head, I think of like 18 different versions of this where it would be good. Mm -hmm. I was like, I keep trying to find, is there like one thing you change and it makes this better? No, you need way more things to right. change. Because I I, when, I, when I think about like, when I think about so like, what is this trilogy about? The Rise yeah. of Anakin Skywalker. What happens in these movies? And then think about what happens in the original trilogy. Like it all, le everything leads to something else. This is a very simple story to tell and it did not require three movies and it is prolonged and boring and uh, yeah. filled with useless content. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes. it, it's, it's, I, I I I will never watch these again. So I'm not in the camp like I hate them. They hurt me. Uh, like I, I think I ma made a joke in my my bad stand up days. George Lucas didn't rape your childhood. He just turned your childhood into scrappy do. You can survive. <laughs> You'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah. And then there's so many other arguments about like, well, you know, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe this is a kids' film. Thing. No, kids' films also need to have competent characters and storytelling. Yeah. And I, I'm not really sure why he wanted to direct these. Except or write them. He didn't want to write the second. The, 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 he didn't want to direct and write the second movie. Yeah. Except, like, was it just that he wanted to play with the technology? In which case, just produce them. And That's my the theory. Mm. He had no interest in making more Star Wars movies, but he... George Lucas is a great man, and that's mm -hmm. how I want him to be remembered. Mm -hmm. uh, he wanted to pioneer different types of film technology, and he found a way to do that by making a new Star Wars film. But that was secondary to him pioneering these new these new things, which he did. And he, I think when mm -hmm. the dust settles on however you feel about these these series, we ha we live in a universe of where we can create any world on, on screen that we want to. And George Lucas pioneered that too. Mm -hmm. Everything he pioneered in the 70s, let's put that aside for a second, and that's huge. He pioneered everything about digital movie making uh, as well. Yep. And, and it's the first, and it looks bad, but mm -hmm. somebody has to be the first, and he did it. He self-financed it. And I, I do, I imagine he was, I'll call it Zemeckising. Like that was, mm. he wanted to make these movies to play around with new shit. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, and, the, and one of the most adorable sequences on the DVD is, is him showing Spielberg like, look at this shit, dude. I know it's so cool. <laughs> like it's adorable. These, mm -hmm. these grown men who are still get excited about making, you know, a new, a new type of movie. And I don't know, when was the last time we saw a new type of movie? But when we see all CG creations and stuff, we now know a little bit more about them. We know that people use motion capture to make characters more realistic. Yeah. It wasn't a, wasn't a luxury that they had in uh, Phantom Menace. They're mm -hmm. pioneering everything. Uh, so I, I don't know. I just want to make sure, we not to shit all over the movie. If you like it, that's fine. People like Justice League. People like lots of things. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I, uh, I don't know. I just, so much of it is that the whole, I feel like the whole, plotting of the trilogy mm -hmm. is inherently flawed it's and that disgusting. makes this well th this is just a waste of time i mean mm -hmm. if you want to watch it as one giant saga of nine yes. movies you can pretty much skip this one i want to watch the topher grace phantom edit that puts them all no no yep. that phantom edit is something different but he mm -hmm. put all three together in one movie because that's all you really needed you didn't need yep. three hobbit movies and we didn't need three prequel um prequel yeah. movies well so here, wait here's I right. have I have a modest proposal on that, but Sarah, what what do you have to say? Okay, this is my question as a extremely casual Star Wars mm -hmm. watcher. Yep. The idea though is that we didn't need three prequels. Mm -hmm. Did we always know that like before yes. hold on, you didn't hear my question. Sorry. <laughs> In the seventies, mm -hmm. were they always four, five, and six? In seventy nine they became 
episode, the first Star Wars became episode four, New Hope. Okay. It wasn't when it released in 1977. Okay. He, I have nine movies planned. He did. He, he didn't. Okay. He didn't even know that he, uh, he just made a guy kiss his Because when his you sister. name something episode four, you say this is that the was, fourth episode. That was added. You got to have three that go before it, it was, or else I'll go crazy. It was added in after the fact, but it was a, it was a kitschy throwback. To, uh, he wanted to license the Flash Gordon movies to make serials like he used to watch um, in movies when he was a kid. Okay. And the Flash Gordon people, or Dino De Laurentiis said, go fuck yourself. So he made his own Flash Gordon type movie and he wanted mm-hmm. to... Be like when you were a little kid, you'd walk in a theater and you'd see a 20-minute short of super crazy sci-fi stuff. People, Sci-fi stuff where they, they do more swinging on ropes than firing lasers, which is also in <laughs> Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as part of the, the gag, like it's episode four. Sometimes you walk into matinee and it's not the first episode, but okay. still enjoyable. So that's what both Indiana Jones and Star Wars are essentially, are like little movies pieced together, a crescendo every 20 minutes. It ruined filmmaking for a while, but we're better now. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, I so, said I wouldn't talk too much about this. Yeah. So here's my modest proposal. And I know everyone has an opinion about The Phantom Menace. And I would love to hear stuff. People put it in the comments. What's Here's my proposal. But what's How would you fix Phantom Menace or the whole prequel trilogy? I would fix it by focusing entirely on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, yep. I yep. would mm-hmm. have uh, Anakin basically be the MacGuffin in the first movie. And I would age him up to a teenager. I yeah. feel... Poor Jake Lloyd. Right. He's right. taken shit for 20 years. Right. We, may have, we may have ruined a small boy with this movie. And because, your and the internet. Uh, he has terrible dialogue and he says it terribly. And so everyone's like, you ruined Star Wars. And it's not his fault, dude. It's not his, well, it's I, not his I, fault. Again, but I, if he had been a teenager, it'd be a lot easier to deal with I, I think than I, this little kid who talks like Shirley Temple. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think George Lucas didn't didn't anticipate certain things of filming an all-digital movie. The worst thing about all these movies are the human beings in this fucking cartoon. They look mm-hmm. ridiculous. They stand out like sore thumbs. <laughs> it's awful. He keeps tampering with the original trilogy. Update this one. It looks bad. Pod Racing looks good because there's not many humans in it. And it's mm. honestly doesn't even look that good now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, but, so but like, I, I think, I think yeah. like when you, when you look at behind the scenes of like Endgame, you know, like Sean Gunn, James Gunn's brother, is there being Rocket Raccoon. I don't know that George Lucas was doing all that shit, like matching eye lines and doing mm. like that was a little flat. That's not being said like the person is actually here. Or you're actually looking in this direction. It mm. all looks very stagey mm-hmm. and dumb. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and whenever it looks super dumb, they cut together Jar Jar doing something stupid. And, and, yeah. Oh, it's cliche to, to yell about but comic relief it's awful good lord it, but it, it, when you I, the last time I tried to watch it I can't believe that like Jar Jar still bothered me that much because I'd seen it I've seen it a couple times but it's like when the dialogue gets really bad and boring they just cut to him doing something stupid for no reason mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and the movie's two and a half hours it's, <laughs> it's, I, I will I, will, I think Diana will back me up on this like Attack of the Clones is so much worse mm. it's it's fucking awful no i actually i think they each one is a little better than the last one i hate attack i think attack of the clones is narrowly better than this i hate it so much it is so boring and to focus on on a love story in this awful universe with this awful writer uh not that i I don't think any of them are good Mm. but i think each one is a little less bad well anyway i think the second movie should have been uh basically obi-wan and Anakin just having adventures and shit. And then the third one, Anakin turns into the bad guy. Mm-hmm. 
then they have a fight and then everything would feel better. It would feel better as a setup to Star Wars New Hope and it would feel better overall as an arc. But this one starts with him being a little kid and they spend a lot of time just sort of standing around, not doing anything, even though they're like, oh no, there's an invasion happening. Guess we'll just hang out for a while and I guess gamble? I don't know. Shooting the shit and then... uh, they're and they set up a really good bad guy. Darth Maul should have been the bad guy the whole movie. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do shit. And then he dies like a punk. So. And meanwhile, the Asian stereotypes, I guess, are the bad guys. And even though I don't even know what their thing is. Sounds like someone hasn't seen Solo. Darth Maul is still among us. I know. Mm, mm. She knows. That's true. But uh, yeah, wait, he's got like two scenes. He doesn't no, no. Nothing. That was... I think that was the first criticism my friends were able to form because I didn't see this movie immediately for some reason. I think I missed I missed yeah. the boat on because like this is the, one of the first times you're like no tickets are gone for the first week you fucked. Oh yeah. I, I remember yeah. I, I was only able to go see it because uh, uh, something involving a blackout. I guess I'll get to that. Cross that bridge when we come to it. It was huh. very random when I ended up seeing it, and, and everybody had told me how terrible it was, and I was very I was a little scared. But I always like to say that is I I I still can't wrap my head around the popularity of Star Wars with the public and myself, but that's mm-hmm. how strong the series is. This movie is terrible. People who were near adults, free to like this if you're a kid, walked out of this shit pretty upset, disappointed, and revolted. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost everyone I knew. And it still didn't break the Star Wars series yeah. at all. That, like, not, even, not even a little bit. It's very strong. It's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. It is goddamn crazy. But uh, yeah, I hate this shit. I hate mm-hmm. it so much. And- yeah. I uh, I don't know if I'll even like put up on Twitter or something my just dumping out of every complaint I have. And I didn't even rewatch it. I can just off off the top of my head. I remember just sitting there watching it for the first time. Like I went like early on a Sunday afternoon because I didn't want people like running around with toy lightsabers. I'm like, I'll just watch this movie. I've heard mixed things. Let's see. And, and just the whole time, I'm just, what? What? It's just such a bizarre universe what? to think about. Wait. You had to make a choice and you chose this? What? <laughs> what? Oh, sweet Jesus, we're going to the frog town? Why are we going to frog town? Oh, shit. Oh, God, Wait, that's such a dumb why sequence. Why is George Arcelic step and fetch it? Oh, sweet Jesus. And, and by the way, the, the, the greatest legacy this movie has, it's like, it's really integrated into Disney Star Tours. Mm. Like, Jar Jar shows mm-hmm. up in, that's I think, true. every oh, no. single sequence. That's true. And you go to a lot of these planets. And it makes it seem like, oh, yeah, this is an equal part of the trilogy as Hoth. Go fuck mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did love, fuck, I wish I remember the name of the book. But after Disney bought it, new canon, The Fate of Jar Jar. Because he does, yeah. he's a little much in this movie. Uh, yeah. And, and, and was, it's a pretty cool performance by one of the first kind of motion capture performances mm-hmm. that we, we've ever had. Uh, and The Fate of, in canon, the new canon official, I forget what book it is and I forget where they were. But they, these main characters visit this small town, and they see it's pretty abandoned, pretty torn down. In the corner of the square with nobody looking, there's a court jester. People say he was responsible for the obliteration of his home planet. But he sits here, and he tries to make people laugh, even when no one's watching. <laughs> and that's that's what happened to Jar Jar. Oh. And it's like it's like that's too much. That's a little much. <laughs> that's too much. That's too mean. Yikes. That's that's I, I, I'm paraphrasing. I'm sure someone will correct us in the comments. But like it was it was so cruel. Uh, but yeah, this movie hurt. The movie hurt a little mm-hmm. bit. And, it, and it, you we did watch the we've watched all of these, um, which you can get a la carte on lasertime.bandcamp.com or all of them by becoming a patron. 
I'll, I'll see if we can throw them up. You did join us for one of the commentaries, though, didn't you? Uh, I did, I think, for Attack of the Clones, just for my one suggestion to fix one scene that I'm just really proud of. And you sat through three hours of that horseshit. Good Lord. Yeah. Good Lord. You don't even like rom-coms, and that's half the movie. Oh, good. Ugh. Well, also, it helped. It was nice to have a woman there to be like, <laughs> you guys kept asking me, and if a guy said this to you, would you start to fall in love with him? <laughs> no. <laughs> the answer is usually no. Yeah, Diana, no. from the beginning, said she had a no rat tail policy, so the Jedi had no chance. Oh, boy. Oh, God, no. Jedi. No, 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 no. But it didn't matter because this was we, – we should talk about that, like the phenomenon that uh, it, it came – I remember, like, before this, I, I didn't really read about licensing deals, but, like, this was such a landmark – like, Pepsi cans were emblazoned with oh, yeah. Yoda – for mm-hmm. for months, yep. big giant Pizza Hut deals, toys all over the place. Because and I can't even imagine a universe now where we get four fucking Marvel movies a year that people begged George Lucas for sixteen years to make another movie, and he said no, and just <laughs> and just wouldn't. What about more toys? Eh, I think the toys are good for now. Like to his credit, the dude could have made a lot more money a lot earlier and just didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Like the guy, I really do. And when he. And the funny stuff he does with his money is pretty hilarious. I like <laughs> low-income housing being forced upon people in Diana's old neighborhood. That yeah, makes me laugh a bunch. <laughs> yeah. And then it is weird because it is – I've been thinking about this. You mentioned the Game of Thrones finale and how it seems like wow, it's harder Wow, they're so to, similar. This, this. No, well, it's hard to have the one person you can blame or mm. the two people you can blame yeah. be like, this is that guy's fault. And a lot of the time, it's misguided because these things are made largely by committee. Right. And you can blame a lot of people. You can't just blame Ryan Johnson mm-hmm. because he obviously has people that are going to work over his shoulder and massage things and whatever. But it's For like making this one, the best Star Wars movie you, in 20 years? Why would we blame Ryan Johnson for anything? Well, because yeah, people are idiots. but Or people are overzealous, let's mm-hmm. say. But this one, it's like there's no denying it. This guy 100% is in charge. Right. It's his fault. Mm-hmm. Right, and again, the behind-the-scenes features, you can see a lot of frightened looks when he talks about things he wants to do and what he thinks this scene is supposed to mean. Uh. People are exchanging glances like, how is this trade embargo going to move our C-3PO cereal? Like, uh, this scene has to go on for 20 minutes? Okay, okay, okay. I, I, <laughs> there's so many great stories behind Kids the scene. love trade embargoes. What are you talking about? Kids it, love them. It, I don't know. Like there, there is a misguidedness that is, yeah. You can pin it on George Lucas, mm-hmm. but again, I think he was more fascinated with with revolutionizing filmmaking because he accidentally did that with Star Wars, uh, and in in a way he did. And I think when people write the book about how we have digitized films, George Lucas going to be a huge part of that, mm-hmm. and so yep. will Phantom Menace. Um, <laughs> it's the weirdest. You know, he never gets any shit though. Liam Neeson for Qui Gon Jinn. Technically, it's like just another Liam Neeson performance. Yeah. Except he doesn't threaten anybody over the phone. Yeah, he's very sleepy. (laughs) (laughs) That's supposed to mean that he's like calm and wise, but no, he just seems sort of sleepy. I mean, sleepy describes all the dialogue in this entire trilogy. Yeah. Everybody feels like they're reading something for the first time in a school play. (laughs) It's, it's, it's. I don't know. Yeah, it's it poorly directed. Painful. I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. Yeah, I'll stop. I know. But because go for hours. I Let's nev- talk about TV. I never want a young person to feel bad about liking Phantom Menace because you were young and didn't know. I remember your husband saying, like, your his son, like, they're just Star Wars movies to him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He has his favorites, but he doesn't hate any of these. Right. And he doesn't hate Phantom Menace. Uh, and 
I, yeah, I don't want I don't think we have anybody that young listening, but I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to throw salt in your eyes. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> Venom Menace, Burn It Alive. Uh <laughs> May 17th through to the 23rd, television. Two girls a guy in a pizza place? Yes. Two guys, a girl, and bare naked ladies. What? <gasps> I forgot to put the link in. <laughs> <laughs> I just told you. But yeah, it's a B&L? Yeah. Mm. This is the most 90s shit you'll ever see in your life. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's a fun little episode where one of the guys, and this is not a show that I'm super familiar with, but I do love the Bare Naked Ladies because I am a dork. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the guys decides he wants to quit the pizza place and try out a new job. And then throughout the episode, the Bare Naked Ladies show up to sing him fun little ditties and kind of... Tell, like narrate what he's doing and the choices that he has in front of him. Weird. It's fun. That's so so. It's they, super so weird. So one week is out. So like yes, the world knows who Bare Naked Ladies. Yes, but they haven't seen right. Big Bang Theory yet. Right. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Also tonight, Friends, the one in Vegas. Yeah, I didn't pull a clip because. Um, I don't want to overwhelm everyone with my friends' clips. Sorry. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of a big one because this is the one where Ross and Rachel get married in Vegas. Drunk? Yes, they're very drunk. And, right. uh, At least they pioneered a new storyline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of an interesting one because then it, it kind of gives way to the idea that Ross is the divorce guy because <laughs> he has to... They get married drunk and, of course, Rachel's like, what the fuck? We need to get divorced. And so now he has three divorces under his oh, belt. No. So he's just, just, as Phoebe says, oh, that's your thing. You're the divorce guy. <laughs> <laughs> we were all wondering what your thing was. <laughs> oh. It's a fun... Uh, Two episodes. Here's the thing. It's not a bad Phoebe, by the way. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> another little tiny part of this episode that I do enjoy is that they're all in Vegas because Joey's there shooting a low-budget movie, so they all come out to go see him. And Phoebe is drinking the entire time. And one of the things that kind of annoys me about like these young people sitcoms that we see a lot is they don't really show people drinking as much as I have found people in their 20s to drink in their regular everyday (laughs) times. Or maybe it's just me. I don't know. Yeah, in (laughs) Vegas. And so this is one of the episodes where Phoebe, it's like breakfast and they're at a buffet and she's making jokes and all of a sudden she just goes, God, I'm so drunk. <laughs> you just never hear like television characters saying that, no, especially in 99. No, in Talking Simpsons, we were even talking like the Simpsons were kind of like the only drunk family for like yeah. 10 years on television. People will like have a glass of wine here mm-hmm. or like a guy will drink a beer, but like you never have. If ever... someone's hammered, it's a very special episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. It's a problem. <laughs> uh, I, oh, I can't wait to talk about this. Yeah. Robbie Knievel. Mm-hmm. God bless you, son. Mm-hmm. I mean, son. Because we all remember your well, my parents remember your dad. I, I think I've watched yeah. two documentaries about your dad, Evil Knievel, mm-hmm. and I know I think he has two biopics out there starring him. Uh, but Evil Knievel, his son mm. Robbie Knievel. I think Fox wanted this to happen more than the world. So bad because I don't remember hearing about him other than like fo- we have a fucking Knievel to mm-hmm. do live stunts with, mm-hmm. and and this was actually I almost put it on in the list a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago but then it had been scheduled for a couple weeks prior mm-hmm. but then bad weather postponed it till now uh-huh. so, so it's this gonna is be live yes Robbie Knievel's Grand Canyon Death Jump <laughs> bad name yeah not great <laughs> when he lands it's all great here's the run Knievel attempting to jump the Grand Canyon 
He's hit the gap. He makes it. He's off the bike. He's made the gap cleanly, but just as feared. He is dead. No, just kidding. He's not. <laughs> he did hit a he, stack of hay bales at like 50 miles an hour. And I'm pretty sure he broke his leg pretty horrifically. You know what's, you know oh. what, sorry, I was watching this. This makes me think we are, we are months, mm-hmm. months away from Jackass, which will make this kind of stunt irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. Because we, Jackass acknowledges, you want to see us fail. I just, I can't imagine seeing this in your TV guide and getting like so geared up for it. And then that was it. I think that that's what we I just played the whole thing, you guys. That's what I remember yeah. because and it, there's just because there's always there's tons of setup, there's and padding, a, and interviews, and slow mo. One hour of lead up, slow mo shot of the Grand Canyon over and over yeah. and over. But that announcer, I this is not a good anecdote, but I love. There's a clip of him. It's Dennis Rodman doing a stunt where he just like basically falls over, falls down a cliff, hanging from a rope, and knocks himself out. What? And his announcery voice is just, oh no. <laughs> And I, I, you may have heard me do that on a stream. I do it all the time, and I don't think anybody knows what it's from. But it's yeah. just—it's so fucking funny to watch Oof. that guy narrate Dennis Rodman knocking himself out. Uh, yeah, short-lived. Th- like I love Fox during this period. Mm-hmm. I remember my girlfriend always said, "I want to go out Friday night." Like, wait and see what Fox does at nine and They're ten o'clock. It's going to be place. crazy. Yeah, it's going to be nuts. It's going to be a bunch of police car chases, people getting shot with tasers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll go at ten. Uh, but what wow, hard pivot. On the 21st, May 1999, Susan Lucci finally wins a daytime Emmy after 18 nominations. Yeah. Yeah. This was like a national joke that she had never won anything. Uh, I remember because never I never won an Emmy for her I, I remember, legendary role. I remember because Jimmy Kimmel and Ben Stein won for Win Ben Stein's Money, and Jimmy Kimmel ran in the audience and gave his Emmy to Susan Lucci. I remember that. <laughs> I had totally forgotten about that. Yeah. yeah this is a big deal. Yeah. Uh oh, and here's a show I've never seen. That's also on the 21st, Homicide Life on the Streets. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's Damn one of the shows show. I should have seen because mm-hmm. yes. it's 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 the DNA of the Wire is like yeah. kind of extended in from here, isn't it? Oh, yeah, totally. Yes. Created by David Simon, mm-hmm. who based off of his book that mm-hmm. he wrote called Homicide about cops in Baltimore, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I, I, really I, good show. Really strong performances too. Um, if you like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you should watch some of Homicide Life on the Street mm-hmm. to see Andre Bauer in deeply, deeply serious mode. Brower, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Andre that's, Brower. That's right. He's he, part he, of why he's so fucking funny on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Right. Exactly. I remember but, him being oh, super serious. You're absolutely right. I was, because I just sort of started watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I realized it's seven seasons of this. This is what Andre Brower is going to kind of be remembered for by younger people. But like, yeah, yeah, this is funny because he doesn't ever do comedy. Mm-hmm. But now yes. he's done it for almost a decade. Uh, he's the, the Robert yeah. De Niro effect. Yeah, um, pretty much, I, I suppose. But yeah. Ro- Andre Brower is a fucking super intense leading man mm-hmm. in a bunch of like short lived, short lived but critically hailed dramas mm-hmm. uh, yep. before Brooklyn Nine. What a fun, weird. Mm-hmm discovery that Andre Brower can be such an amazing dramatic actor and then take that same shtick and be mm-hmm. hilarious. I think like to Brooklyn Nine Nine and his credit, he's he's a great actor and yeah. he's doing the same performance he would do in this show but with funny dialogue right. and he just doesn't stop he's just the same way he would deliver it on homicide. Bone <laughs> Bone <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing. 
Oh my God! You're telling me the sister sister finale had to go up against that two days it's later. It's true. Mm. It's true. Yeah. There's a show I endured. I watched a little bit of Sister Sister when it first started. It was on in between two things I liked in TGIF. Of yeah. Course I'm, what am I going to do? There's four channels. Oh, what a fun concept! I mean, two adopted twin identical sisters, Tia and Tamara. Yes, who run into each other in a mall. I forgot they were separated in the beginning. Yes. Right. They were yes. getting to know oh. one another. Right. And um, they. Because this is a sitcom, mm-hmm. they move in with each other, and so both of their respective single dad, single mom, they all move in together. This happens all the time. Yeah. It's- <laughs> and I also have to say, I think we were talking about Sister Sister, or we were talking about Dag, maybe. I misidentified the dad on Sister Sister as Dag, David Allen Greer. That's not him. Right. And so I apologize. Someone absolutely corrected me in the comments. I corrected I think. you in the middle of the conversation. No, you did not. I did. I don't, like, think, that's so. not, I don't think that's him. Well, I must have steamrolled you. How does that feel? I wasn't sure. It was sure. actually Tim Reed. I, I'm a smart guy fan. I don't. Oh. I, I didn't yeah. come into this. Yeah. Um, oh man, do I get to talk about wrestling again? Yeah, you do. Oh. Wait, what's this? The promo? Oh, sorry. No. Uh, yeah, on the 23rd on the WWF pay per view over the edge. Uh, probably the worst thing that's ever happened at a live WWE event. Uh, the death of yeah. Owen Hart. A uh, fantastic wrestler, member of the Hart family. Tragic story that people still throw blame around about because um, I forget sort of the idea of the Hart. Remember I talked about Bret Hart like uh, back when we were talking about him going to WCW. He didn't really like the idea of anti-heroes because mm-hmm. the family was a Canadian-born pure wrestling family. Like we don't, And they're like, uh, do what we want or we're going to put you in your old original uh, character, which was a superhero. Um, mm-hmm. And be, he's like... I can't tell you, you can't really argue with what the company wants to do with you, so he obliged, and they said, well, you're going to go back to your original silly superhero character, it's kind of a fuck you for not wanting to play ball with the anti-hero stuff, and we're going to drop you from the top of the arena, Um, we're going to lower you from the top of the arena, 70 feet down, there was a malfunction, I think it wasn't rehearsed, and Owen Hart, in front of an audience of thousands, fell uh, into the turnbuckle, and I don't think he died instantly, uh, it was not when a match was being televised. So the world has to their... I don't know how they've kept this footage out of the public eye. Because mm. it was definitely mm. filmed. And he died before the end of the pay-per-view. And Jer- uh, Jim Ross had to announce the death of the person who was supposed to be wrestling Jeez. like an hour before in the performance. Oh. Uh, it, I, I don't know of anything worse that's happened. In ring, I hear you Benoit fans. But uh, in ring, I don't know of anything that... That bad that has happened in the WWE, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, and Owen Hart just all around good guy. Everyone liked him. Is it couldn't ha- it couldn't happen to a, a guy who deserved it less than Owen Hart? Mm-hmm. Uh, let us know in the comments which wrestler you'd rather be dead than Owen Hart. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that, that would be too popular discussion thread. Ooh. I should not have teased that. Yeah, uh, but uh, time Facebook community seventy eight feet, huh? Is I, I don't I don't know exactly the yeah. height. I'm just looking it up 78 feet because he had a, a quick release harness that he was supposed to drop towards the end of the yeah. rope leading him down. And that released accidentally and sent him down 78 feet. Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, Bret Hart had a super contentious relationship with the company after that because I don't know what the right thing to do is in the event of that. But the WWE said the show must go on and just pretended it never happened. <laughs> and like, that just kept. Kept going with the performance, but um, 
it's yeah, it's heartbreaking. I remember I, I one of the first things I scoured the internet for was the footage, and, the, and I, I back when you had to like download it. Mm-hmm. And I remember I finally found it. It was just some dipshit who made the footage with his own action figures. But it, 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 <laughs> from the thumbnail, it looks super Both authentic. Both of you are ghouls for doing that. <laughs> by the way, you for looking at it, it the and the other guy the for internet. making it. It was postage stamp size. It could have been anybody falling. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's. Uh, ooh, uh, speaking of wrestling, yeah. Uh, this is so much better than wrestling. Uh, the Jesse Ventura story on NBC. Uh, oh, no. Watch me fight the lizard people in the Illuminati climate change conspiracy. Yeah. The promo is, oh, no. it's about him like transitioning into a politician. And when oh, I looked that's at just the, what he is now. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's not, he was governor. He's yeah. not, but he's now he's kind of like a silly kook. Yes. <laughs> And so I grabbed the promo because it's so silly and I felt like it would bring you joy, but I really implore you, implore you to look it, look for it on your own listeners because it's basically great music and then him doing a bunch of wrestling moves and then they're just naming them different things in politics. Wow. It's, it's a, really silly. In order for me to become Jesse the Mind Ventura, yeah. the body Ventura wrestled, I'm the governor. I love doing bad Jesse Ventura impressions, and I can't wait to see who plays him. The power struggle. The filibuster. The joint resolution. The executive clause. <laughs> splitting the ticket. Just a bunch of fun wrestling moves. To the floor. The committee chairs. The man who redefined politics. My governor can pile drive your governor. The Jesse Ventura story coming to NBC Sunday. I cannot recognize that actor, but I, can't. I, 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 oh, some if he he's was a stuntman. He the was actor smart. Jesse Ventura would do like a paid commentary for that movie. Yeah. This part never <laughs> happened. James Domian <laughs> should do it. <laughs> that would be amazing. No, me and Screech were pretty good friends. That's not how it went down. Uh, okay. No games to speak of this week because believe it or not, there was a time when the summer they thought that would. Kids are going to be outside, going to camp. There's no way they're going to be playing games, you silly bastard. False. Fortnite is hitting its ninth season, you dummies. Uh, so there's nothing really out this week, and I double-checked. Uh, but we're going to go out with I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys, because Millennium is out this week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's Who doesn't remember this song? Uh, but stay right there. we got to head to 2009, I promise there'll be no more Star Wars talk. But we like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the laser time crew then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time it supports not only this show but all the rest of the laser time network you'll get commentaries play games with the hosts see exclusive videos first and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time speaking of which here's a quick taste and i'm watching the avengers the first avengers which is like weirdly dated like it feels like a much, 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 much older movie. All the effects are it's like uh, a lot of the effects are crazy practical. The yeah. uh, the CG is not that great. Some of Iron Man's lines are like crazy groaners. 
Like mm-hmm. all these things I thought were hilarious and like Joss Whedon's the best. Like, dude, how did this make it in the movie? We need to come up oh. with a plan of attack. I have a plan. Attack. Like, ooh. oh, see, I thought you were talking about, ooh. you know, I, I understand that he's had character growth since Iron Man 1 and 2, but I thought you were talking about Groners in terms of like, he almost is like problematic in a couple of those older Iron Man movies where it's just like, oh, you're like creepy hitting on people. It's, it's, uh, yeah, what part of my dad's, uh, my dad's, uh, uh, education like i don't want to show him age of ultron because that just takes too much time i'm not an age of ultron hater I, but i'm like i'll show him the hammer scene and see if he picks up on the cap you know the cap moment in the age of ultron hammer scene and iron man says like uh ooh, i'm gonna lift this and i will be re- reinstituting prima nocta and my dad's like ha ha you know what that means son like yes dad it means he gets to fuck everybody's i know what it means dad yeah, I was there. I saw Braveheart, Dad. We all there, saw Braveheart. I was there when the internet freaked out about it. Yes, I guess. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner where we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of may 17th through the 23rd you know not as much to watch but the last like two weeks have just been amazing for music so i just kind of want to summarize them all right here and just make this will just be classic corner music edition because 50 years ago this week 1969 we've got let's see four yeah four freaking great albums let's start with uh with a little help from my friends by joe cocker uh which i love because just you know anything that's screaming soulfully just like it gets me and joe cocker was like the best white guy for doing that and we got uh everybody knows this is nowhere by neil young um which i think has cinnamon girl on it too which is it's my jam Stand by Sly and the Family Stone, which I don't think the Keeds appreciate Sly and the Family Stone quite enough as like they sort of helped invent funk, but also was very soulful. And I, I've always loved Sly and the Family Stone, even though Sly Stone is kind of an insane person. Um, and then the big one, which I guess we can recommend the movie for, is Tommy by The Who. Arguably the first rock opera. This and Jesus Christ Superstar are like within a couple months of each other, so it's kind of hard to call. But I like this one way better than Superstar. Sorry, dudes. Uh, Tommy by The Who. It's weird. It's crazy. It's got questionable stuff in it. There's there's some weird stuff going on in there. It's all very concepty. Doesn't sometimes make literal sense, but it's like about a feeling. And the movie is just so bonkers. I love it to death. So. If you haven't listened to Tommy or seen the movie, I totally recommend both. But so that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming in with We Made You off of Eminem's Relapse. That is out this week, because this week is May 17th to the 23rd. In 2009, that's right, no more Phantom Menace horseshit. Get that out of your head. 
Leave your angry comments. We know you love this. Anyway, new music releases. Uh, Journal of Journal for Plague Lovers by Main Street Preachers. Manners by Passion. Ah, Manic Street Preachers. Manners by Passion Pit. Back on My BS by Busta Rhymes. Uh, Love Is by Ruben Stuttered. Carver City by CKY. Blackout 2 by Method Man and Red Man. Abnormally Attracted to Sin by Tori Amos. I did not expect Tori Amos to follow no. that album title. Uh-uh. Uh, the High <laughs> End of Low by Marilyn Manson and Out of Here by Esme Dinters. That's a person. Uh, Boom Boom Pal by the Black Eyed Peas it is still numerous. It never ends. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, oh God. See, the, this is definitely a Diana news story because I always leave these out. So, where's this place? Uh... 2009, um, May 18th. What, what 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 was Sri Lanka before? We Ceylon. Kids. Okay. Mm. When it was a, a British colony along with India, because Sri Lanka's off the tip of India. And uh, they had a civil war for a good 25 years yep. that killed mm, 100,000 people or so. Uh, and it finally ended 10 years ago this week uh, with, I think, the defeated the Tamil Tigers uh, minority group. But yeah, um, colonialism is bad, and it fucks up people for centuries. So, mm-hmm. there you go. So Happy birthday, end of Sri Lankan Civil War. <laughs> Yay! Uh, um, I like the ends of wars, thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, God damn it. I was like, I'm not going to have any strong opinions about the movie of 2009. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> Tormented, uh, a movie with people I've never heard of. That's uh, a... British horror flick about uh, kids who bully this kid and then he dies and then he starts uh, scaring them and haunting them and being spooky. Ooh. Not a bad concept. A tale as old as time. Now to uh, a little concept that I did invent, the girlfriend mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Steven Soderbergh, uh, mm-hmm. Sasha Gray, um, and Chris Santos. Sasha Gray being like, she was like a adult film actress, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, a girlfriend experience. Sometimes clients think they want the real you, but at the end of the day, they want you to be something else. I haven't seen you in almost two weeks now. Yeah, it's a long time, right? I don't know. I mean, I assume the armor in your situation must be very thick. Good, someone to see you. Ah, Miss Chelsea, I presume. Hey, thanks, Dad. This journalist never met an escort that is in a committed relationship. You say I'm selfish. You're selfish. I'm selfish. I you bent over backwards for you. you know, don't and I don't yell at me. I sit here like a jerk all day. I I love this concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. I also it also made, I, I remember ten years ago joking about how I offered the boyfriend experience. Yeah, hmm. sit around. Does anyone you, want that? Let you talk shit about your coworkers. She does talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Karen is such a bitch. I know. How long do you have to work with her? Ask oh, if you can ask long. if you can change departments. <laughs> like this feels so real. That'll be ten fifty. Very cheap. Ten dollars. Fifty cents. <laughs> I'm not paying that PayPal transaction fee. Uh, but yeah, girlfriend experience uh, seemed nutty, but then like it went over to Japan, and like that's that's like all over the place. Yeah, it's real life. You want to rent like a. A sister in a non-sexual way or have a family member yell at you? Mm-hmm. Here you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, someone who, an escort that doesn't offer exclusively sex, but the experience of a, being in a relationship for years, hence the yelling at someone he mm. just hired. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I'm afraid to say anything. This, Ladies, bring yeah, it. This is, I mean, this is sort of mixed reviews because mm-hmm. yeah, Steven Soderbergh will do these like super, super stripped down, handheld, low budget, right. semi improv movies. Mm-hmm. In between is George Clooney movies. Yeah, sometimes they go really well and people love them, and sometimes it just doesn't. Sometimes they're time code. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this was sort of split critics. I'm afraid I haven't seen it. I know mm-hmm. it became a TV show for two years. Yes, over on Stars, I think, because um, oh, it's yeah, it's an interesting concept. Uh, not just the salacious, you know, escort stuff, but the idea of like, how do you pretend to be in a relationship for pay? Yeah, and who wants that, and what kind of experiences they want, and yeah. Well, and That's I. Kind of- the idea of it really speaks to like the emotional labor that is put on women in these in relationships mm-hmm. generally of like, you know, it's not necessarily always about physical intimacy. It's a lot about picking listening where to, to people. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Like that experience of like having a companion mm-hmm. and having someone listen to you. And I think a lot of people, not just men, are lonely for that now. But yet, I think that's why podcasts exist. Really, I think it's it's we've gotten rid of the ability to like have an easy conversation with multiple people. Mm-hmm. It's a luxury that uh, I feel people might not have in in a modern social media age. I'm mm-hmm. not kidding, mm-hmm. uh, and I appreciate that I have that ability every day. Yeah, um, but yeah, I can see I, I see why this makes sense. It, yeah. as it, it makes more sense now than it did 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think, too, like, people are so busy and the grind culture is, like, so strong mm-hmm. that people find themselves not really having time for, like, a lot of personal relationships. Mm-hmm. So if you have a situation where you could hire someone to be emotionally there for you d- during a certain amount of time and then be able to say goodbye to them and not have to maintain that, that sounds very attractive to some people. Mm. I don't know. I kind of get it. Someone to clap for you at open mic, your first open mic night. Yes, oh, yes. Good song, honey. Yeah. The Someone president's going to hear that. And he's going to be pissed. <laughs> um, okay. The girlfriend experience, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my goodness! Dance flick. The Wayans is at it again. What? They, they were, I never even heard of this. Well, one. they 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 broke off from Scary Movie after the second one. Mm-hmm. That was like it, it's a terrible movie. Scary <laughs> Movie Two, especially. Uh, and then they broke off from that property and basically made a ton of these things, movie mm-hmm. parodies that like are not remembered well. Right. Um, Damon Wayans Jr., uh, Shoshana Bush, nine other Wayanses. Is yep. that for real? We got an even 10 Wayanses wow. in the credits wow. on this. Uh, Amy Sedaris, Dag, David Allen Greer, and uh, Chris Elliott in Dance Flick. There is a school with an attitude. Acting is action. I'm the real action. Excellent. We need an agent. A look. You ain't going nowhere with me like that. Put this on. Damn! What a dose, shorty. And a beat all its own. I'm going to invade your space and you invade mine. What's wrong with you? He's going to invade my space? Please! That was a girl getting punched in the face. Mm. Uh, Like, I have a vague, that was a Julia Stiles movie they were making. Yes, Save the Last Dance. Yep. So these are all based on movies I didn't see. Yeah, they're, they're all based on movies I have seen. Yeah, <laughs> it uh, feels right. Save the. <laughs> so then, why don't you see Dance Flick? I don't know. I did not even know it existed until mm. right now. So, also, but, mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it, it just. Da- by the way, dance movies are usually bad enough. I don't on their own. It's not fair that yeah. I could. I consider Naked Gun and Airplane to be like timeless films, and mm-hmm. I don't feel that way about these. 
because airplane is making fun of a very 70s subgenre. Yeah, because some of them, I mean, they're they're not really to hold up in time. They're about the particular right now or really mm-hmm. things that we thought were going to be popular from six months ago. Right. We're projecting into the future based on trailers. And here's some jokes about, I Drumline. guess this is popular. <laughs> Drumline? Yeah, I mean. Uh, Wine Witch in the Wardrobe. Uh, jumper. You're, I, I, think, I think they were overestimating how popular these films really were. There were a lot of them because yeah. they were cheap. And yes. and kids saw them, but they mm-hmm. weren't like I never saw these things. Uh, well, when they did the ones like epic movie and mm-hmm. date movie, right. and I'd even seen, scary movie, like I'd seen the basis for those parodies, right? But like I hadn't seen anything for the dance stuff. Yeah, I think I don't know. I have not seen dance flick. I guess um, step up to the streets. But if they did just keep it to dance movies, mm-hmm. it might be actually pretty funny for someone like me who's seen all the dance movies and they are. They should be made fun of. They are usually pretty terrible. Pretty, pretty trash. But Sarah, yeah. why'd you see those movies? Yeah. Because uh, I used to be a dancer. <laughs> so what do you think is going to be really bad about the parody film? Um, I don't know. They may have been able to hire some real dancers. Funny dancers? Like that one guy from Popeye and My Blue Heaven? I forgot his name. Uh, they they might have always been... always forget his name. There's no, what's you... his name? Well, the thing is, is I'm that... I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> oh, God. That's Bill Irwin. Anyway. There's not a lot of money to be made these days and being a dancer just Mm. in there. So I could see this being a movie where Mm. they might have actually been able to hire some very talented dancers. And there were a couple scenes in that little trailer that you showed that where people were actually doing some impressive dancing. So this might actually not be as bad as we all assume it's going to be. But I'm not going to watch it to find out. Yeah, only if they can focus in on the dance movie trope. Precisely. But even in the trailer, there there's jokes about like people being shitty parents or uh, someone taking your white girlfriend and making her all hood now. And it's mm. like bad acting teachers. Like this has nothing to do with your co- core concept of stupid dance movies. Well, is the bad acting teacher joke not a fame joke? Oh, could be. I, I Sounds just like assume... this movie's from a demographic of Sarah and Sarah alone. <laughs> Uh, wonder drunk why. Sarah. I think it's more drunk Sarah. Probably. No. I want to see a dancing movie. I didn't see but a dancing. Sam, put on a dancing movie. I did make him watch all that jazz like a couple months ago, and I was like a little bit oh. drunk, and I was like, "What are you doing? Just put your phone down." <laughs> you can go to the bathroom in an hour. Yeah, it's showtime. Uh, I'm gonna have to rewatch all that jazz uh, so with, because of Fosse Burton. Thank oh, you for reminding me. Absolutely. Anyway, it is well. interesting that we have like a parody of fame when we have new fame basically debuting oh, yeah. on TV this week. The show, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and does speak to a weird trend that I guess has kind of died down. I didn't really notice. We'll find out when we get to television. Um, but kind of the resurgence of the, not the musical, but just like an older style of entertainment mm-hmm. that I... You know, mm. I thought it was kind of neat at the time. Like, oh, singing and dance. Like, we're just watching American. That's a person singing a whole song. Right. Even MTV doesn't show that anymore. Right. And, well, uh, <laughs> and then also, this is right about the time where we're getting So You Think You Can Dance mm-hmm. and Dancing with the Stars. The, and and the America's that, Next Best Dance Crew. Yes. <laughs> which I watched for a while. I watched all these. Let us not forget Step Wars. I'm making up shows now. You have to pay <laughs> me watch, if you use that. I would watch that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tango for Cash. That's, that's not, pretty not, good. Not very that's good. pretty good. That's pretty good. That's what they should be calling Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> um, and man, uh, we just talked about this in an episode of Laser Time about celebrity meltdowns. Mm-hmm. 
Very famous moment with an actor who wasn't Helena Bonham Carter or uh, Anton Yelchin uh, or the unforgettable Sam Worthington, who I haven't seen in a decade. Um, it, it was Christian Bale mm-hmm. in the movie Terminator Salvation. We've been fighting a long time. We are outnumbered by machines working around the clock without quit. You are not alone. This is John Connor. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Terminator Salvation in theaters May 21st. Oh, boy. That... Dun, 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 really gets me right in my I, gut every time. It's, <laughs> this is one of the craziest series ever. I can't think of any other comparison other than uh, Romero's Dead series mm-hmm. that's just been whored out to so many companies. I think mm. this is a Warner Brothers <laughs> joint after like a Carlico and Paramount joint. Uh, but this was the this was the last Terminator movie like I really wanted to see because mm-hmm. I you only saw glimpses of the war being fought mm-hmm. that people were traveling back in time to prevent and this is like there's no time travel in this movie it's all war this is the war we've been talking about what's going to take place right here and i do not remember a frame of this film Same? wait is this the mcg one yes yes Yes. i don't remember i know i saw this in the theater with our friends and i do not remember i was so excited I went to Comic-Con in San Diego and waited ahead of time so I could be at the Terminator Salvation panel mm-hmm. with Mick G in the cast and not Christian Bale. Uh, and I just remember the anecdotes. Mick G was like, dude, this is a revered franchise. I don't want to fuck this up. Um, so I called James Cameron like, look, I have the opportunity to do this. I, th- I have a really good idea and we have a good team together. And I just want your blessing to move forward. And uh, James Cameron said, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, awesome. <laughs> a story he told, which only makes it more depressing that James Cameron did press for Terminator Genesis, a far worse film that Ooh. shit on everything that came before it even worse. This is so fucking weird. Mm. Terminator Salvation. There's, there's this Terminator movie that like nobody remembers or cares about. Yeah. A major motion, summer Warner Brothers motion picture within the Terminator mm-hmm. franchise. And Arnold, blink and you'll miss him. Right. Because, uh, but... Uh, yeah, and it's most remembered for Christian Bale freaking out on the set, which yeah. you can hear on yep. Laser Time, including all the wonderful remixes people made of him. <laughs> <laughs> what you fucking doing, Shane? <laughs> uh, and, and, yeah, and, I I actually do remember a couple scenes from this movie. Mm-hmm. I overall I would not call it good, right. but I know people love to shit on it. They say it's the worst fucking thing until Genesis, and Genesis is even worse. Like it's not bad it's just boring it's not especially good it has a couple good parts there is a helicopter crash that's done as a long take that is actually very good um and there is some nice body horror with uh sam worthington i feel like they gave it away in trailers that he's actually like a terminator Mm -hmm. spoilers everybody um but I remember the reveal in the movie being pretty good and that they're just like, do to do. I'm a guy. I don't know why I'm here. I remember it being the 20th century or something. And now I'm here. And then they like walk through a field full of magnetic mines. And one of them just sticks to him right away and he blows up. <laughs> and then they like, everyone freaks out and he doesn't like, why are you all mad at me and stuff? And looks down and, Oh fuck. I'm half machine. It's like, Okay, you know, if yeah. we ran with that, with that body horror of like secretly being a cyborg, mm-hmm. 
I am intrigued. We did, and it was called Blade Runner, and it's much better. Blade Runner twenty forty. Well, well, yes. Okay, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, true. That is not true. A, it's barely a spoiler. Yeah, yeah. I feel like overall, it's okay. This, but yeah. this is the weird world it's we live in, where, where yeah. everybody wants a franchise, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Terminator isn't owned by any studio. It sort of floats around. So it gets to go wherever it wants. And none of those motives are particularly good mm-hmm. uh, for the series. Uh, they've, they've never really worked out that well. And it hasn't worked out well in forever. After this, it went to TV, mm-hmm. went, became a movie mm-hmm. again, and it's going back to films. It's, I don't know what to do with it. it it's strange. I never want to be the person who says no more Terminator. And, and again, the weirdest thing, if you go to movie theaters now, you'll see an arcade machine that's Terminator Salvation. Yes. And it's it's everywhere. Still, to this day, for yeah. this movie, I've never heard anybody talk about with any reverence. I forget it exists. Hmm. I, I want to do somebody do a profile of fucking Sam Worthington. Because that guy had like a three-year <laughs> run up to? in, in like, like everything. Huge things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. What's his deal? Is I he just awful know. to work with, maybe? I don't know. I, I'd like to think he's kind of a stem cell. Like, he just looks like, well, this is what a human looks like before a haircut is, and a personality. Yeah, And we'll, no, put that's him, we'll put him in a bunch of these CG movies. Yeah, he's like a bland uh, Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm. perfect. I get them confused yeah. a lot. Perfect. Uh, man, uh, okay. Then the, the final movie of the week, number one at the box office... Oh, I love reading this cast, even mm-hmm. though I hate these movies. Mm. Uh, Steve Coogan, Christopher Guest, Bill Hader, Owen Wilson, Robin Williams, Hank Azaria, Amy Adams, and Ben Stiller. Uh, Night at the Museum, Battle for the Smithsonian. Battle of the Smithsonian. Larry Daly is back. Good to see you, lad. It ain't Mr. Big in the britches himself. Stop! But this time, the museum is bigger. Hey, baby, check out the gun show over here. Boom, boom, firepower. The bad guys are battered. Just kidding, that doesn't work. And the battle is about to begin. Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian. This place is lame. Ready to be I I don't hate these <sighs> movies. It's just like when you grew up loving Tom Lennon and Ben Garant. <laughs> big state and Viva Variety and Reno 911 fan and it's like oh they made a major motion oh have you read their book about how to write a movie <laughs> yes okay for fun and profit with fun scratched out mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah yeah they were on a fucking huge roll for a mm-hmm. while mm-hmm. wrote a yep. ton of unwatchable movies yeah this movie made me sad because uh, you could not dream up of a better concept for baby Sarah little kid mm-hmm. Sarah than a movie about a museum that comes to life where everything comes to life i got this you. is my dream yeah. like i my favorite book growing up and maybe even still to this day is from the mixed up files of miss basil d basil e frank waller about two little kids Someone who run that's away a real book. it is two little kids <laughs> yeah. that run away and live inside the met it's phenomenal but anyways this is my <laughs> well, dream it gave me indian in the cupboard vibes once darth vader because of showed the up the tiny cowboy yeah well yeah but it's like it's little dioramas that come to life right everyone forgets Darth Vader is in Indy in the Cupboard. It's connected to Star Wars. I said I wouldn't talk about Star Wars. But he's in the United Museum Battle for the Smithsonian, too. Yes, he is. Um, But it's just not good. Yeah. There are some really good parts. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember watching this movie and liking the first act enough that I was like, hey, honey, keep watching this movie with me. And it was all little gags, like them Mm -hmm. showing... um, 
Edward Hopper's night cafe and then something happens and like the the guy behind the counter like breaks a bottle and is going to threaten someone but he's super tiny because he's in a painting right um, <laughs> so and then seeing yeah uh, Hank Azaria is a mummy and he talks like Boris Karloff that makes me happy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Hader is who is he Custer mm-hmm. and he's just obsessed with brushing his hair a lot that makes me happy <laughs> yeah. I like Robin Williams being loud yes and uh and it just sort of yeah i mean it's then it's for kids it just it feels too much for kids so much of the time where it's just little i don't know little weird inconsistencies and just you know bad dialogue or it's, stuff but there are there are like there are some like little jokes and stuff at the point where they go to the air and space museum and everything starts happening and you know uh what's his name Ron Howard, Ron Howard's brother is there because he was in Apollo Great. 13. And it's like, okay, that's cute. That's fine. fine. Whatever. That's funny. Uh, yeah. It's for just, something with a lot going on. I was bored for something that like feels like it should be right there for smart little kids to love. It's very dumbed down. <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah. a little too dumbed down. I wish that it had been written with the idea that like, it's okay if you do references that kids won't get, because mm. if you do a, if you write well enough, kids will go and look it up. Yeah, they'll want to get it. They'll want to mm-hmm. get it. And instead, it's like everything is right there. Mm-hmm. Also, Amy Adams, I think, is very good as Amelia Earhart. I think she did a great job with that. Yeah. Okay, that's true. Yeah. But yes, yeah. I just wish it was better. Like, I couldn't you couldn't have designed a better movie for a little kid me, and I'm sad for a little kid me that you oh. messed it up so much. Poor ethereal yeah. Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if I may make everyone feel a little old. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I thought about this the other day, and this is the only way I had to express it. Uh, you'll feel old with the term starring Ben Stiller. Mm. When was the last time you saw Ben Stiller in a movie poster when you went to the movie theater? Oh, me. Isn't that crazy? Like, that yeah. just happened without us noticing that, like, Ben Stiller was in everything for, like, 15 years, and then I haven't seen him in a movie that wasn't by Noah Baumbach. Right, and, exactly. Like, I think the and last even year. then, that was never in a theater. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Everything I'm, I've seen him on has been, like, a thing on Netflix where I'm like, oh, okay. Or him cameoing as himself as an that's as someone who loves Ben Stiller. Mm-hmm. That's my Ben Stiller pet peeve. Him cameoing as himself as an asshole. We know you're the sweetest man ever. Mm-hmm. You're not an asshole. Mm-hmm. We know Ben Stiller isn't an asshole. I don't buy this character. Moving on to television because I don't have anything to say about Night at Museum because we were talking earlier about um, sort of the renaissance of the musical and the dance in, ter- in our entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can have a better example than fucking Glee. Glee was. Oof. A massive oh. phenomenon. And Fox poured so much money into it. Mm-hmm. The first season is six episodes. Because yeah. it was so expensive. Right. It, wow. It, it's what took Jane Lynch away from Party Down. Mm-hmm. Um, where I I think that, oh God, that role definitely but, made her fame so fucking yeah. famous. Like a household exactly, name. Exactly, though. But as someone yeah. who grew up with Christopher Guest movies, that, man, I love seeing Jane Lynch <laughs> uh, as just... just a, the outest lesbian she's ever been. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> SAP coach, but uh, Glee. How do we how do we describe Glee? Oh man, it's 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 a musical that doesn't that tries to not be a music tries to not tell you it's a musical. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. No. I mean, I feel like oh. it's really enjoys being a big musical. Totally. <laughs> But it, it marks itself as an hour-long comedy and then just does full yeah. musical numbers. Well, because it plays Yeah, but itself... it's sort of about, like, how there's such, you know, the, the kids in Glee clubs are, like, nerdy, dorky outcasts. And it's like, no, man, we're bringing it back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it really 
is a fantasy for theater dork kids, basically, that, you know, no, life really is a musical. High school really is a musical. And so it, it plays that out on screen. And I think it is great for showcasing these kids that were, like, always kind of represented as, like, theater dorks, whatever. They're nerds. Nobody, mm-hmm. like, thinks about them. Mm-hmm. Reality, no. Like, they're actually doing real stuff, and they are also fucking... Because mm-hmm. this was, like, a very <laughs> sexual show as well. My two semesters of drama, were so, before I was seriously active, was, oh. like, so amazing. Drama kids be fucking. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. freshman year. More than awesome. the jocks, even, I think. Surprise, a whole lot of drama around it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, my God. Nothing's this better. Is what I, I learned in college, stay away from the drama, kids, because I have had enough drama in my life, and I don't need to bring in any more. They live up oh to their name. Oh, my God. Do I want to do Sasha Gray here or a little Jenna Jameson? Like, <laughs> I can't tell what to do right now. I'm going to try both. Whatever, lady. But this Glee is revolutionary Absolutely, because it gave us hmm. Ryan Murphy and his huh. uh, part writing partner Brad Falchuk or producing this is partner. Their, their big breakthrough. This thing. is their big huh. breakthrough, and now TV is. He's one of like ten people like is synonymous with like oh this is going to be a hit. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Mm-hmm. Well, and this isn't their super big breakthrough because I think they did Nip Tuck before this. Which is also huge. Yeah, but that shows right. terrible. Right, <laughs> but it didn't have the main like super mainstream breakthrough like glee was it like, was gloriously trashy yeah and uh i always watched it and regret every moment i spent watching it it has its place mm-hmm. certainly it's after, very campy yeah after the shield where i'll watch it yeah uh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah glee is great like looking back on it now i can't re-watch the episodes that i watched just because i'm like this is a little cringy. It wore its welcome with me very fast. Yes. But I remember my friend Lizzie handed me yeah. burned CDs with these. Oh. You got to see the show. I'm like, this show is great. Is there any more? Just six. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, and then, like by the time before the second season was over, I was done. Never yeah. watched it again. But it's great too, because I think it is a great representation of this generation after the millennials. Mm-hmm. It's really representing mm-hmm. kind of their attitudes now towards things that we are just now like, yeah, we we find this revolutionary, like, you know, fighting homophobia and transphobia and ableism and all these things. Whereas in Glee, they just kind of present these things as like, yeah, this is just our life. Of course we accept this no, stuff. No, no, the host of Nickelodeon's mm-hmm. Guts took a little time to warm to his son. I- <laughs> That's true. Just proving that I've seen the show. Yes, you're right. Mike O'Malley. We're, Mike O'Malley. We're at Mo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you have a musical number you wanted to highlight. Yeah, this mm. is the musical number that clinched it from the first episode. I think mm. once everyone mm. saw this, and it, I think it was being played on the radio. Wow. It was everywhere, yep. and people oh, were shit. like, "Yeah, a Holy show that shit, had soundtracks. This is real. Wow. Like we're into it." I want to listen to this whole thing. You know, know don't, do don't throw Journey at me like that ever again <laughs> without preparation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do believe that this the is... only stat I have is because I did an article a long time ago about 
trying to prove how old the Simpsons is by mm-hmm. how many guest stars are dead. Mm. Uh, that's the youngest dead Simpsons guest star. That's right. Yeah, the the lead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, it was it was weird. Just that, like uh, I was talking to someone about that. That remember we grew up with child stars. We're like, oh, they're basket cases and mm-hmm. crazy. And like, no, we kind of grew up in an era where child stars have their shit together. And then mm-hmm. one of them just dies out of the blue before the mm-hmm. 30. Anyway, b- bumming yeah. everyone out with a Glee conversation. Yeah. That's not necessary. That was that was rough. Mm-hmm. And then also another one of the stars just got in trouble with child pornography. It happens. Okay. Yeah. So that was Sometimes not good either. you open something in your Hotmail account. It sends you on a journey. No, never. Anyways, uh-huh. Glee though really had like an indelible mark on TV. I think that we're still seeing. It's cr- it, it, mm-hmm. I remember seeing it like it felt expensive and big, right? And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and just what a weird, but a weird way to focus your money on song rights, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. creative ways. And of- Dina Menzel, yeah. and <laughs> she yes. come cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or as John Travolta called her, Guarbire Arbalanga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you could not pick a better song to kind of kick off the entire show than Don't Stop Believing. And the show that ended the Sopranos. Yeah. Just, oh. yeah. yeah. They re they took it back. Oh my God. Are they picking up like do they overlap in time and this is like literally happening oh! at the same moment that Tony's at that Ooh. diner? Ooh. Where the fuck am I? What's what what's all this singing about? Why am I in an auditorium? Ah, this is natural. Fuck. <laughs> um, um, and uh, uh, where do we file shows like without a trace? Like shows my uh, mom watches, or yeah. like is there yeah. a parallel universe where people watch the show? Because I've never met one. Yeah, without a trace. Yeah. Old people do. It's a CBS procedural. There's a million of them. They run mm-hmm. for a jillion years. They all have talented actors on them, and I'm happy that those guys get paid. Mm-hmm. Comes on right after Medium, I'm guessing. Probably competes with Bones. Yes. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe you can catch Suits afterwards and a bunch of other okay, shit. That's I'd USA say. characters welcome. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're going to see, I don't know, some Criminal Minds going to be in there. Yeah. Uh, the Mentalist, maybe. Yeah. Sure. Mm. CSI Branson. Look, it gave Anthony LaPaglia some money, and that makes me happy. I so get... he can go back to Australia, where he's actually from, because he is not a guy from Brooklyn. What? <laughs> He's one of those guys that's like, well, you you look like you're some guy from Brooklyn, and you got a nice Italian name. Is like, no, I think he's an Aussie. Weird. Okay. Just to confuse everyone. Weird. So I have to move into video games, and I wanted to excite the video game players out there. So we have a mm-hmm. we have a return of a series that has not been around in about 15 years. Mm-hmm. And to Whoa. me, in terms of if you were grading a series based on like the score of their games, it's the highest average, and that would be Punch Out. They're the third game hits from going back to the '80s. We talked about it. It's one of those. We've talked about Mike Tyson's Punch Out on Thirty Twenty Ten, mm-hmm. uh, like a couple years ago. Came out, sounded a little like this. Boxing game, but a great, like a weird, uh, there's so many great things to say about it, but like Nintendo kind of uh, understanding that it's not a sports game, it's like a rock, paper, scissors game. What's this guy going to do, and what counters what he does? Mm. You slowly figure that out, and I loved it. I love Super Punch-Out, and they never revisited it until the Wii, and man, they that theme song, they have a hundred variations on, 
and starting with a new theme song. Love it. And Definitely sounds a little bit nice. Eye of the Tiger-y. Yes. On and, purpose, I imagine. Mm. There's a ton of Rocky references in the original game. Mm-hmm. and uh, But what's I remember Tyler had to point it out to me, and it was a much less sensitive time. Punch-Out is solely based on ethnic stereotypes. Like, everybody's from... This guy's from Canada, so what does he do in his spare time? Chugs maple syrup. Sure. It's They're all relatively <laughs> harmless, but it's just like... all. But this song is remixed it, for every culture that that person represents. So you'll hear it like 20 times in the game mm-hmm. in amazing versions. And there is nothing different at all about the gameplay from the 80s. Hmm. It's wonderful. Donkey Kong is a secret boss. I cannot say enough <gasps> wonderful things about it. It's so hard. I, I was not able to unlock Donkey Kong. It's very, very hard. Uh, and it's a hard game for Nintendo. That is rare. Um, also out in games this week, Boombox Bash slash Smash Party. That is the EA mm. partnership with Steven Spielberg that brought us Boomblocks. Uh, one of the sure. few games Steven Spielberg has allegedly... I'm pulling out my biggest air quotes here. I'm going to use my whole arm. Okay. Steven Spielberg designed, I'm sure, uh, on a napkin Mm -hmm. on his lunch break for making another bad movie. Um, uh, (laughs) But I played this one, and it was fun. Oh, no, no. It's perfectly charming. This is a sequel to the original. I didn't play this one. Um, But yeah, yeah. yeah, It was fun. Depending on where you were, it was Bash or Smash Party. Uh, UFC Undisputed 2009. I only mentioned because I think I sort of like either met or fell in love with former 302010 uh, cast member Dave Rudden at a UFC, in a UFC interview. And we still podcast to this day. Stay mm-hmm. tuned for more Dave Rudden. Uh, and I just wanted to mention this. <clears throat> oh, two wonderful games that came out on PS3 and 360. Bionic Commando and Terminator Salvation. Uh, one of these is a complicated and bad Spider-Man game. That's Bionic Commando. Um, I have personal problems with that game. I, I cheated at a multiplayer event to win a lunchbox and then got employed by the company. Uh, oh. I, I, oh, yeah. Scandal. Nefarious scandals all over that game. Very but the weird thing is, is both of those games were developed by the same company for different publishers. Mm. And they were out of business by the end of the year. They had this huge 2009 grin, uh, grin, a Swedish company. You have two games releasing the same week. You should be set for life. And it didn't work out that way. Uh, but Grin, RIP. Um, and that is about it for us. We used to close out with a comment from you. But stay tuned for the birthday quiz because that's super fun. Uh, but we have we now just have a all you show. Mm-hmm. Uh, listener strike back. It's going to be a little late this month. I'm sorry. Scheduling issues uh, and illness prevented it from going up at the beginning of the month, which is what we like to do. But we do a show celebrating you and your input on the stuff we talk about. We, we obviously can't be experts in everything. Mm-hmm. There's only so many, so much research you can do. I think how many topics did we talk about this episode? Uh, up a bajillion. Maybe 30, mm-hmm. 40. <laughs> how do you, yeah. So like you will be able to better represent what you love than we will. And we love doing a show where you can incorporate that feedback. And that that's all possible at patreon.com slash laser time supports the whole laser time network, which includes laser time. The latest episode I think is, is that still the many controversies of mortal Kombat. There's a new mortal mm-hmm. Kombat out and that game used to um, set parents heads on fire and now comes out <laughs> without any, without any feedback of any kind. And it's doing 
the same thing, if not more intense than it's always done. And no one, it's so crazy. It, people were mad at that game for two decades mm-hmm. and it's just gone. Uh, times they are changing. That's what our show is about. And uh, Video Game Apocalypse, the all video game show every Friday, hosted by Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Raparez, and Maddie Allen, uh, with occasional chime ins from myself. We'll see how much this muscle relaxer affects me. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Diana, where can people find you? Um, <clears throat> They can find me on Twitter at uh, LeCineNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or at 302010 podcast where I talk about uh, what's coming up and you can leave comments and I can tease what's coming up next week. And oh, next week, Uh-oh. we got something for everyone next week. Mm-hmm. We have maybe the best Pixar film. We have <gasps> a wonderful rom-com Ooh. and we have Nazi punching. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, and you can find all that and more at lasertimepodcast.com. Um, Diana, who be did? <sighs> well, well, working backwards, uh, 2009, we lost Wayne Allwine. He was only 62. <sighs> no way when Wayne Allwine was, Sarah. I do not. I believe he was the voice of Mickey Mouse from 1983 Mickey's Christmas Carol onward. Okay. Disney kind of, up until very recently, had one voice actor for that character, and you were that in everything, every mm-hmm. game talking pajamas like sure and in real life he was married to the voice of Minnie Mouse and he yeah so like they always work together and uh yeah he died pretty suddenly it was just kind of a bummer if you if you're my age or younger that that Wayne Allwine was your Mickey Mouse Mm -hmm. and uh I was super I'm still super sad by it (laughs) and just to make things even worse someone who's uh only six months older been Wayne Allwine, uh, but died 20 years before, uh, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, 1989, we lost Gilda Radner. She was only 42. Oof. Fuck oh. you, cervical cancer! I feel like... Go, go get garter cell, kids. Yeah. I feel like that's one of those deaths we've been forecasting for a while, because I remember talking about... Mm-hmm. Diane, you might not have been on it, Sarah, but like uh, she had an appearance on the Gary Shanley show, and mm-hmm. it was like the public clearly hadn't seen her in a while when she walks out and break out in applause. Her hair is a little shorter, or maybe mm-hmm. she's wearing a wig mm-hmm. uh, because no. she looks even skinnier than she did when she was all coked up. Yes, yeah. and um, yeah, I, I, Jesus, I'm sad. <laughs> Kilda Radner, uh, yeah. yeah a, a spoiler for next week's TV. Like, I love it when people actually do this. Nick at night's just like fuck it. All Gilda Radner SNL mm. all night mm-hmm. um, in honor of her. What's passing. her special called? Is it just called an evening with Gilda? Oh, I don't know, but I've seen I've seen it like three times. Like that was like on early Comedy Central. You watch that all the time. It, it's it's yeah, more like a it one woman so show good. than a stand up act. But mm. it's, it's good. Yes, and I'm a fan of Haunted Honeymoon. <laughs> uh, and anyway, birthdays. Who was born during this period? Okay, time for the birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a Okay, this week, born May 20th, 1968. Happy 51st birthday to uh, this actor. His dad was a vice president at Gallo Wineries, and he is a descendant of Cornelius Vanderbilt. Oh. The Vanderbilt? Whoa. My yeah. word. Oh, whoa. I know. Um, it, he wanted to try acting, but was embarrassed, so he tried stand-up and was a swim coach for a while. Hmm. <clears throat> Not John Goodman. <laughs> Could be, but no. Um, he made his off-Broadway debut in an adaptation of David Sedaris' The Santa Land Diaries. No, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. Sarah likes David Sedaris more than me. Mm, I met him. I know. we got to tell the story. Told us, yeah, he told a story about me mm-hmm. on stage. Anyways, go ahead. 
Um, but uh, he moved into movies uh, with a bunch of smaller roles and was offered the Vin Diesel role in Fast and the Furious and turned it down. This is definitely John Goodman. I, like, I think you're wrong. <laughs> I, uh, fuck. Wow. Who could that have been? Who? Um, I was surprised because when I said, oh, he turned down a role in Fast and the Furious, I thought it was the other part, but no, it was the Vin Diesel part. We've talked a bunch of things he's been in, so let's go through a couple of them. Okay. First Wives Club, Life Less Ordinary, and Catch and Release. Not Ewan McGregor. Uh, Delroy Lindo. Uh, <laughs> the First no. Wives Club. I've seen this a Dan Hedaya? No. Golden Bronson P. Show? His very small parts in those. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Balky was supposed to be dumb. Right. It's about family. <laughs> now he's turning like, into Eddie Murphy. He's, in, he's in First Wives Club. I actually made him more Yakov Shmirnov. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, what crying. if I threw out Scream 2? <gasps> oh. These are Timothy, all movies we've talked Oliphant? about, by the way. It is Timothy Oliphant. Yeah. He did stand-up comedy? He did? I can't even imagine. He tried stand-up comedy and was terrible at it and felt very embarrassed. That seems super intense. And I'm sorry I didn't hear your punchline. I was lost in your eyes and hairline. (laughs) 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 I can't remember. Sorry, I was just watching your teeth. Your teeth are so teethy. He's very teethy. Yeah. He's gone a long way with, with, with a name that sounds like a greasy elephant. It's it really yep. has. <laughs> that's that's an interesting point. Uh, yeah. I, I was out of interesting points, so I said that. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I should mention we also talked about uh, "Live Free or Die Hard," Hitman and Go, where he's kind of the best thing. Uh, he's the only good thing about "Live Free or Die Hard." Mm. He needs to play more yes. bad guys. Uh, but yeah, this show is executive produced by. Uh, People like T.L. Foster, many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time. We do thank you all for your support. Price of a cup of coffee keeps the whole network going. Everybody paid, fed. It's a beautiful thing, uh, and it doesn't cost mm-hmm. you pretty much anything. It's like it, you probably give homeless people more than us, and we'd be homeless without you. It's just no. me. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you guys so much. What are we closing out with today? Uh, let's close out with uh, Blame It by Jamie Foxx. Okay, I love this song. T-Pain, which I think is number two or three on the charts this week. And it is a jam. Yeah. It's mm. so stupid, but I love it. Right. <laughs> yep. Well, we'll see you next week, people. Uh, we don't have any more Star Wars, but plenty of Lucasfilm. Come back. Girl, what you drinking? Don't let it sink in. Here for the weekend. Think 